This episode of Agitator is brought to you by Fable Beast Design. All your graphic design needs, book covers, album covers, etc. Go hit up AA Medina at fablebeastdesign.wordpress.com. He's having a huge sale right now on pre-made book covers, doing a gallery dump to make room for all the other shit that he's got in the works. So snatch that deal while you can. Also, hit him up for custom commissions. You know over here at Agitator, we are men of integrity. We don't co-sign anybody we don't actually use. Y'all seen the Ghost of East Baltimore by David Simmons cover? That thing is selling on the streets like hotcakes. It is selling out of tattoo shops and black-owned bookstores all across Baltimore on its way to becoming an independent chart-topping bestseller. A lot due to that beautiful cover that A.A. Medina just pulled off so perfectly. David sent him the prompts he put together this masterpiece so yeah official agitator stamp of approval when you hit him up for a custom order tell him that the agitator boy sent you you'll get 20 percent off both pre-made covers and custom commissions fablebeastdesign.wordpress.com for further deals and design tips go to patreon.com slash fablebeastdesign Hi everybody, welcome to Agitator, episode 1,570. <laughs> I was going to say, bro, I forgot what fucking, are we on 75? Is that, is uh, for the free, for the freebies, I think, 70, uh, 75, yeah, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh, patreon.com slash agitator, get educated, but we're, we're here with Stuart Buck talking tag, Sion Sono, and Stuart, he's an interesting individual. Uh, I I got it. So you reached out before about love exposure, yeah, because you have experience being in a cult. I have. I want to hear about this. I have. It's not quite as exciting as the love exposure cult. <laughs> but, I mean, what is you know. But yeah, so I I spent two years in a Judeo-Christian cult called the Twelve Tribes of Israel, uh, and I have. Uh, do you want Do you want to hear the story? I mean, I could give you yeah. like, the story. Okay, cool. Yeah, I okay, just want to so, hear the whole story. So in two thousand and seven, I was working down in London uh, at a car like a, a car body shop. Um, we did like um, like. Uh, aesthetic repairs for like Alfa Romeos and Ferraris and stuff like that and I, I didn't I did I manned the phones basically and it was like the most stressful job ever because if you're it was in Holloway basically and if you live in Holloway and you have a Ferrari you, you're a drug dealer like there's no other like profession so I was basically dealing with these like 18 year old kids every day <laughs> and the Ferrari's going to be ready you know and I'm it just like I basically had a, a mental breakdown. Like I, I was going out at night and like I was clubbing in London, getting in at like four a.m., getting up at five a.m. after like having that you know that awful like half sleep that you do. Mm. Where, and and then so I was going in at six a.m. I was listening to these people on the phone all day, and I basically just like fucking cracked. Uh, and I ended up. I walked out of work, and I ended up in a like a 24 hour internet cafe at about 2 a.m. in the morning. And I booked a train to this place where basically there's a there's a website called Diggers and Dreamers. And it's like a website where you go to find like couch surfing or like commune living and stuff like that. 
So, and the only guy that answered my email was this guy called Jonathan. And I had no idea that this was a cult at this time. I just thought it's a bunch of cool people living on a farm. This sounds brilliant. So I got there and it's a cult. basically. <laughs> and it's, it's incredibly obvious from like the first five minutes when you walk in there that it's a cult. Um, but I was like, I didn't have anywhere to go. My parents live in France. I didn't have any friends because I was just like a fucking junkie, basically with a terrible job in a city where I didn't really know anyone. So I, so I stayed and uh, they had like, they had this bakery on site. We all lived in this place called Stentwood Farm. It was like a farmhouse in the middle of Devon. Um, there was like 48, 49 of us, something like that living there and basically you went to work you worked in the bakery and that was your pay then you got bread you, you got like um bed and food and for the first like two months it was fine and I worked in the bakery and I was I've been a chef for like 10 years before I went there so I was used to working like their hours and working at the heat and stuff but then like they 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 started like slowly trying to basically indoctrinate me and like uh, they'd be like they they'd wake me up at like in the middle of the nights and they'd sit on the end of my bed reading Bible verses and they'd be like when are you just gonna when are you gonna submit to to God and to Jesus and like I'm an atheist I've always been an atheist like um, not not I'm not like militant but I I don't believe in God you know and but it, it, there was this point where I was like well if I want to continue living here I'm gonna have to like lie about this you know and. Now, when I look back, I, I think that I was a lot. I was actually a lot more into it than uh, than I than than I let on in my head at that time. You know, I was like, "Well, I'm conning these people, and this is great." You know, I'm just living here. But but when I look when I look back at it, I, I think they were conning me. You know, mm -hmm. um, and so I basically got baptized and renamed, um, and my my name was Nadiv, which um, ironically means honest. Um, <laughs> room, which was amazing um but i lived there for two years and like we we basically i was i, I mean I, I used to go out on recruitment drives with them um around like cities like bristol and stuff and I, they were hated and, and and you know i can see why because you know they, they, they were incredibly insular but they had a lot of contempt for other people like considering that they were supposed mm -hmm. to be like going with the Bible and stuff, like they they despised everyone that wasn't part of the cult. Yeah, in group and out group type stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and that's and that's also, by the way, how they get you because <laughs> like humans like are geared towards wanting to be a part of something, mm -hmm. and like <clears throat> I think a lot of the people that went there, they were but like a lot of people were fucked up when they got there and they'd reach out to anything that had let them be part of something, you know? Mm -hmm. um, but I did, so, so at the cult was, the cult was interesting. There was no TVs, no news, no music, no media of any kind. The kids were all homeschooled. You worked all day, you ate, and then you went to bed. That was it. Um, and like the thing that, the thing that eventually broke me was the no music thing. Like I, I couldn't hack it. And after two years, I, basically got up one night at 4am just before the bakery shift and ran <laughs> road from the farm and I ran for two hours until I reached the main road and then I hitchhiked to back to London got on a plane and I went to see my mum and dad and I lived there for like four months I think before and then I went traveling again 
but when so you say many. that you were running, was there a sense of danger? Like if no. they had caught you? Oh no, you just no, wanted no, no, to get I the, don't, get I don't the think, fuck I out. I think people, people. I mean, so they they would have followed me. I think if they knew where I was uh, going. Yeah. If I if I if I just like booked a taxi for outside the gate, you know, then they would have been there. But I just like I just like literally just sprinted up the road, um, and I I think that. I mean, maybe they thought that it, that I was going to leave anyway, but I, I'm never, I'm not really sure. But anyway, two weeks, two weeks after I left, this thing came out in the papers that they were abusing their kids, mm-hmm. uh, like on the farm. But so, so twelve tribes is nationwide. It, obviously, it started in America, as you'd expect. There's like, <laughs> I think there's like twenty branches over here. Yeah. Um, but it's it's worldwide. Um, but it, this specific branch in Stenwood Farm, it all came out in the national news that they were like basically like like um beating their kids mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but I, which i never saw like and, mm-hmm. and and uh if i had i would have probably said something you know but i never saw that but it was like it was like a huge thing in, in over in the uk and all the kids got taken from them so there was like there was nine families i think on the farm and all the kids got taken away by child protective services and from what i from what i've heard from people because i still talk to one guy who also left um those kids have never gone back like mm. they're just they're just like in in protective services now what uh, is the what was the cults what distinguished it from just good old fashioned judaism or christianity they so they believed the bible down to like the letter firstly yeah. so they believed that jesus was coming back they believed in the book of revelations but with the dragons and everything like they they were convinced that it was going to happen um, and the guy that started it had a date when it was going to happen. So it was essentially like a doomsday, like a prepper yeah. cult, you know? Yeah. Um, but then, of course, like these dates, they come and they go, and it's the same with the Mayan calendar, you know, 2012 came, and then it went, and then you've got another guy saying, oh, it's going to be 2013. And th- th- that's how it went, basically. Mm-hmm. The, these dates cropped up, and I-, I think like three doomsdays cropped up in the two years I was there. <laughs> and like when it didn't happen they were just like oh well you know it'll be th- it'll be this date and everyone was just like that just instantly oh it's going to be this date now you know and... reminds me of a lot of behavior that i see on twitter.com yeah this is gonna same. twitter twitter is gonna end in two fucking weeks man this shit is done oh, that was, the that ship was, is the ship is sinking and then it? it's still here and then yeah. they're like so oh, everyone who said they were leaving yeah, yeah. yeah. because <laughs> they, they couldn't to... figure out Mastodon. They no, were like, they couldn't log in. <laughs> they're like, I'm gonna go over to Mastodon, and then they're like, This is yeah. fucking hard, bro. I have, don't you, have you been on Mastodon? There's like one person posting. Fuck no, I don't need another social media in my no. life. I'm trying to cut social media out of my life. Not, oh, good not luck. A new... Yeah. Oh, I, by I the could... way, you like my Stonehenge mug? I oh, got nice. this at yeah. the place. Yeah, I got this. The... Nice. I went to I went to Bristol when I was over there. Oh yeah, nice, Bristol's nice Bristol's a great city. It's like a melting pot. Had a cabbie who was telling me all about like this uh, secret document that was in a church, and I was telling my wife because we had a very strict itinerary. I was like, "Can we? Can we? Can we do a national treasure with this guy instead?" Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he had all like the tattoos on his fingers and stuff, and he was like, "Yeah, there's a fucking there's yeah. a secret document in there, and 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 nobody wants anybody else to see it." And I was like, "This sounds like the beginning of an adventure," but we had some nice food instead, and. Yeah, we went to bed. Well, the, the food, the food in Bristol's great. There's a load of immigrant 
culture in Bristol, which mm-hmm. means that the food's like excellent. I had insane Indian food in London, as a matter of oh, fact. Yeah. Just like it, that's mostly what we ate was Indian food. Well, like the the British official the the official Brit- British dish is a curry. Like is it? It's, yeah, it's chicken tikka masala is like the the official dish of Britain because so much of the food like like standard British food is just not great. Like it's it's like meat overcooked and potatoes. That's basically what and, and pies, <laughs> you right, know, right, which right. is just meat and potatoes but with pastry on top. I had the most insane breakfast at this diner. It was like that. It was beans, bread. There were there were five things that I can't remember. But it was it like was a full big, English. Yes, I, that's yeah. exactly what it was. Yeah. And I finished about half of it. And there were dudes in there who were more working class, right? Yeah. And they were in there, and he was like, "Okay, lads," like, and they they ate all their shit. And they ate the whole fucking plate, and I was like, "Yeah, yeah. it's a it's a, it's a it's a thing over there. The full English breakfast, like you have it before you go to work, or you have it after a night out." Um, which I like. I mean, it's it's good, but it's basically just an assortment of meat mm-hmm. and, and, and <laughs> potato products, like you know, mm-hmm. um, heavy. It's heavy shit. Well, I'm glad yeah. that you escaped from the cult. I'm glad that uh, <laughs> I I like that you said though that you went into it as an atheist and you don't have any cult-like or judeo-christian beliefs at all but no, through the I mean, repetition I, of it you you sort of adopt and i think that's that's really true of everything i think you are the actions that you take throughout yeah. a day right yeah. so so it doesn't matter if you intellectually believe it or not yeah you're doing something so you're like oh i'm not a you know i'm not a chronic masturbator but i masturbate all the time yeah. And then you become a chronic masturbator. I mean, I, I, as an alcoholic of 20 years, like I totally understand what you're saying. <laughs> because <laughs> I spent 20 years lying to myself about my drinking, you know. Right, right. Um, I can stop when I want. Yeah, yeah, I can stop. Oh, I'm a heavy drinker was the big one. I'm just a heavy drinker. Like, I like a drink. That's the one that everyone says. You know, that's... I, what... I called myself a problem drinker. That was yeah. my excuse, was that I'm a problem drinker. And it's like, okay, so you're going to solve the problem? And I'm like, I mean, No. Like yeah. why? Why would I? It's not alcoholism. It's just problem drinking. It's just problem you, drinking. Yeah. Because you wake up in the morning and you're like, ah, oh, I don't want to drink. I feel yeah. like shit, you know. And then it hits, you know, five or six o'clock in the afternoon. You're like, well, I mean, yeah, you could have like one or two. That's when I well, knew I mean, that I, I, I that I had an issue. Is that uh, the idea of having one or two beers is horrifying to me. Yeah, it's terrible. Just yeah, like... that was that was what got me as well. <laughs> so I, I've just stopped now. Like I'm three years. Well, I'll be three years sober in March. Congratulations. Um, nice. Yeah. Well, I would I would have been dead otherwise. So <laughs> thanks. Well, I'm, I'm also well. I'm glad you're not in a cult, and I'm glad you're not dead. Yeah. I'm glad you're doing Bear Creek. I'm glad you you got the Hypno Pony and uh, the mushroom. But that's us. Uh, is it spore? Spore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Spore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love mushroom shit. I'm big into Terrence McKenna. I think it's an alien intelligence. Yeah. Oh, you want another pouch? Excuse me. I'm gonna go get him another pouch. But... That's quite all right. Yeah. yeah. What, what flavor do you want, man? Do we keep going? Or... <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, keep, yeah, yeah. Keep, yeah, keep yeah. Talking. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just whatever. Um, um, yeah, yeah. yeah Spool's good, man. My wife is like, uh, uh, they're an artist, and they do like. Um, I'm in their studio now, actually, and they do like a lot of foraging for berries and uh, mushrooms and stuff, and they make art out of them. I don't know if you can see. I've got the stupid thing on the Zoom background blurred out, mm-hmm. but I mean, hang on. Yeah, like mushroom, you can just about see it, I think. Like spore prints and stuff. That's awesome. I'm really into this, uh, in, into Enoki right now. 
They've got oh, some yeah. Enoki in uh, in this four sigmatic blend. The thing that bothers me about the four sigmatic blend is that there's a huge warning on it that says, "Hey, this might contain lead." So that yeah. seems to be a problem. But I mean, Enoki, I think is a big deal. I, the 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 reversal of cancer and and free yeah. radicals and shit like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm big into that. Lion's mane, chaga, uh, turkey tail is good for the winter. So like a good. I don't, I don't actually. I, I, my wife takes lion's mane supplements. I think I don't really like. I like mushrooms to eat, but and I, I, I mean, I mean, I enjoyed ingesting them um, in heroic doses when I was yeah. a bit younger. Yeah, which uh, is something that I, I've always said I will go back to. Like you know, like in twenty years when we're all fighting off people for the last bag of rice. And like there's an emaciated polar bear like drifting past on a piece of wood. Then I'll probably <laughs> I'll probably go back to mushrooms then. <laughs> like, it's fucking it's weird enough already. Why not? Yeah. Just <laughs> yeah, just on a regular. I had a I had a plug here for a while that was that was going great. I was like getting the weekly hookup. Yeah. But the shit's hard to come by now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had a guy who would give me mushrooms that were it was psilocybin, but it was pink. He's like, you got to try the pink ones. And I'm like, are they different? He said, oh, well, just, yeah, man. They, yeah. they were, it was psilocybin. It was just pink. I don't, yeah. I don't know what was up with that. <laughs> but uh, so what exact, like what made you, uh, so you, you run away from the cult, go to stay with your parents and you live in America now. Is that right? Yeah. I mean, there was, there was another 10 years in between that ah. where I hitchhiked around Europe, lived in Wales uh, ran my own restaurant, became a chocolatier in Paris, sold chocolate in, in France, uh, ran a hostel in Estonia. God damn. Uh, and now I'm in America. I traveled 8,000 miles to meet Holly, who I met on Twitter. Yeah. And so I, I landed a day before all the flights were grounded for COVID three years ago. Wow. That's cool. Uh, and oh. now I live here. Yeah, I live I live in Illinois now, uh, near St. Louis. Okay. Uh, right. St. Louis is it? I don't know what you. I, I still can't. I still don't know what you, what you call it over here. But Doesn't the city. Anyway. Yeah. The, my my uh my under my approach toward English is that if I understand you, then did you just yeah. say English? Yeah, I did say English. This fool just I, said I, English. I caught it, but I caught it halfway through, and then I was like, "Fuck it, we ball." Yeah. But, my my thing but, about English. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's uh, Estonia is. I I know some Estonians. They're part of That's a perform, performance troupe. Tallinn's like an incredible city. It's one of my favorite. That's what places. I've heard. That's yeah. what I've heard. I had a buddy who's a performance artist who went to go stay with these guys. They're from Nongrata, which is like a yeah. performance troupe that, you know, they brand each other during their performances and cover yeah. themselves in pig's blood. Really, you know, performance art shit. And yeah. uh, he went over there. Yeah, they would. Uh, one person during their performance dresses up like Jesus, and then they yeah. get branded on their back. Um, nice. uh, while some while some dude who looks like he's out of the hills have eyes is blow torching a pig's head. It's sounds very, a bit like a cult. Sounds yeah. a little <laughs> bit like a cult. Sounds a little bit like a cult. But uh, no, but they're cool, man. They're cool. They uh, I I did a reading with them, and I read an essay from my death stranding book and the guy came up and he says thank you for your poetry i was like oh you're welcome it wasn't poetry but you know it's good i I, I went there from well i was in i was in uh finland for this what what was essentially a mushroom forest rave let's call it what it was 
Um, and I, I didn't have anywhere to go. And so I, I met a guy in a hostel in Finland who said, go to Estonia, it's incredible. I hadn't even heard of Estonia. Like it was part of Russia as far as I was concerned. So I got there. I I thought I'd spend like a night and it, I was there for like 10 months because I ended up in a hostel and the guy that ran it got deported because he was Australian. They hate Australians over there because Australia makes it so difficult to get into the country. So whenever there's an Australian in the country, they fucking kick him out. Yeah. You know, because, because <laughs> I you can't love get into Estonia Australia. now. I you love know? Estonia now. Yes. Yeah. That's, um, that's, that's my attitude towards Australians too. Yeah. Get so get I, ended up running, I ended up running the hostel basically because I was the only person who knew how to use the system. Right. It, it, like most people didn't speak English. They all speak English over there, but the people in the hostel, uh, they didn't speak English. So you had to, like, I speak a little bit of Estonian as well. Mm-hmm. So I could, like, I could converse with people. And I ended up running it for like nine months, but it was great. Mm-hmm. Really good. How did you Hot. get into writing? Oh, sorry. Kelby has a question. Go ahead. Does hostel, hostels like a, does that have something to do with sex or is that just like no. movies over here? Okay. Okay. No, a, a hostel is basically like the cheapest way that you can stay in a, in a place. It's like, uh, a bun, it's, it's like bunk beds and stuff basically. Just, okay. Yeah. Yeah. A hotel for bunk beds. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. But yeah, it turns into like, sex every time, right? Yeah, it's yeah, it's like yeah. fake. It's like you, I've seen theory, I've yeah. seen the fake hostel videos. I know, yeah. I know what's going on. Yeah, yeah. But uh, no, the uh, so how did you get into the whole writing thing? How did you meet all these fucking freaks, man? Uh, I started writing haiku about eleven years ago, and I wrote like exclusively haiku for like a year, and I got published in a few american haiku journal and one japanese one which was obviously like that's where you want to you, you want to yeah. and then i started writing long form so i had three poetry books out before i started writing like actual stories um and then so i've just like I, I the last couple of years i've been writing longer stuff like novellas and things like that but i started bear creek which is where i've met everyone from because i like I was so like sick and tired of the submission process being like completely anti-writer, you know, mm-hmm. um, that I thought I'd start somewhere with decent submission guidelines where you replied to people and you were nice to them and you paid them for their work and you said, thank you. And, and I was thinking like, oh, I'll get like, I'll get like a few subs and people will be like, oh, this guy's really nice and that'll be it. And then like I get 300, 400 subs like a month now and have for a year it's it's crazy and i and i still do it all on my own mm-hmm. um and i keep giving myself these things like i just announced an anthology this morning you know why do i do it i just i like peace and quiet but then like there's a little piece of me that's like oh just constantly work on your writing or constantly promote other people's writing you know and i obviously enjoy it but like uh, at the same time I, I wish i'd give myself a little bit more time off to do like my own stuff because it's like you like you know you know because you do books and stuff you, and you publish stuff. It, it's like it's so much work you know yeah yeah um, it's it's constant <laughs> and, and the numbers now like like kyle's book which is like which was the one that i grabbed early and i was like this is gonna kick the press off and we've just passed like 300 pre-orders for that you know well which which for me working on my own like a little autistic boy who just wanted to make some cool books with his friends 
it's like it's like a big deal you know that now and yeah. he's doing he's doing like a launch gig with Roxanne Gay and he's getting interviewed in the LA Times and mm-hmm. you know yeah like, cool, that's shit's great <laughs> you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah that shit's exciting I yeah. like I like all the I like all the hype around it uh Kyle's yeah. a Kyle's a great writer too yeah he's great and he's also like inc- I mean he he's incredibly supportive of the press and has been from like day one and the Gazette and he's a nice guy as well, you know, and he, he he's passionate about his stories, which is nice. You know? I've said I've said on this podcast that I felt like of the writers who are sort of in the orbit of us, I feel like Kyle's one of them who will go on to have a lifetime of success. Elle Nash is another one. You know, yeah, there are she, a few who you can just tell. She are she there. actually edited Quantum Diaperpunks, my second book. Elle, oh, she's awesome! Great. Yeah, yeah. She's, yeah, yeah. She's nice. So nice, and like I paid her a fucking pittance, really, and yeah, she did yeah. such a good job of it. Like I'll I'll have I'll have props for her forever, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. But it's one of those things where if you can find somebody who's a genuinely good writer, who's also pleasant, like yeah. a pleasant human being, uh, they're pretty much golden. Usually, yeah. you find one or the other. It's 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 yeah. weird, but it only ever seems to be one or the other. Like I'm a really good writer, but I'm highly unpleasant to be around. Yeah. Uh, and then other people are really pleasant to be around, and they fucking suck. But when you yeah, can I marry feel, that's, those that's where I come people. in. I, I feel like I I occupy there. You know, I'm an artist. <laughs> yeah. I'm never gonna yeah. make it. You know, I don't even submit my work. I can't do it. I just hate. I hate waiting for people. Yeah. So yeah. like I'll probably uh, I spend I spend like six months on each book and about twenty people read them you know it's fine mm. it's what it is that's the part I hate like I don't submit uh, yeah I love we're in a um you know the Broken River crew we talk to each other like literally every single day yeah. and yeah, I've, uh, got, I've got work from Grant coming out tomorrow in Berkeley yeah um, which is a really good story like a really fucking good story not not the sort of thing that I usually publish but like I just like good writing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so that, yeah, that's that's cool. Yeah, Broken River's great, man. I, I've got I've got yours and uh, and James's book on my Kindle. I, I'm reading Dahlgren at the moment. I don't know if you've ever read it. It's like 800 pages of dense homosexual science fiction, and it's, it's taking yeah. you forever. Yeah, yeah. Um, when you when you do that, uh, the the next one should be through the Valley of the Nest of Spiders. Yeah, that's uh, it's just it's it's eight hundred pages of incest and booger eating, and it's nice. Uh, it's a real endurance test. So I didn't I didn't realize this about Samuel Delaney, but he's pretty fucked up. Like I read Babel seventeen when I was younger, and it's an incredible sci-fi book. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, so I know he's also got one out which is just like horrendous, like incest and pedophilia and stuff. Hog. He's called Hog. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's a um, he's a fucked up he's a fucked up dude, but he's pleasant. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. He's, 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 I'm really enjoying this, but like it's it's it is like hard. It's a hard read, you know. What yeah, I mean? Dogren stuff. Dogren um, stuff. But once once I get it out of the way, I'm all about mercy. You mm-hmm. know, I'll, I'll read that. I, I I literally got a Kindle just so I could download your books. Oh, oh, nice. Appreciate yeah. that. Um, because I don't I don't really read much on Kindle, but um. I will definitely, I will definitely read these two, and maybe I'll start reading on Kindle. I'm not sure. I was never a big Kindle person, but yeah. my wife loves it. Um, I really like it for comics. Reading yeah. comics and manga is really cool. On oh, man, I got Godzilla versus Power Rangers the other day, the comic. Oh, yeah. you know, I don't know if you know, but from from Twitter and stuff. But I do these like ridiculous watching 
things where, like at the moment, I'm watching all 950 episodes of Power Rangers. Like and, back back. and ranking them. And ranking saw... them. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I spent yesterday like, designing a spreadsheet for yeah. it all. Like, I don't, yeah. like, why do I do it? Like, just... <laughs> I don't know. Lists are fun. I do that shit all the time. I don't post it because I feel like a fucking freak, but I fucking, I love lists. I yeah. do lists. I, like, I, that's kind of where, uh, I'm like, I'm like a spaz. I actually don't enjoy chilling at all. I like to yeah. constantly be working on something. And whenever uh, lists are an easy thing to occupy, like yeah. very, very short little in-between times. It's, it's where... also like incredibly soothing Power Rangers because you basically have to pay attention to like two minutes of the 20. Because the rest <laughs> of it is just that, you know, they, they just took the footage from Super Saiyan. He bought the footage and then he just like inter- intercut it with um, images of like Eddie's juice bar. And that was it. I mean, it's this genius way to make a program and he made billions yeah. on merch and stuff from it. Um, and they paid they paid the actors uh less than minimum wage to yeah. be in that. That's the <laughs> that's the dark his I was looking up this list of the it was called the Power Rangers curse. Oh yeah, I've read that. Yeah. The ways that all the Power Rangers died and I'm going through and it's like, you know, yeah, Eddie, right? Like died of a fucking heart attack and I'm like that's yeah. not a fucking curse. That's just, you know, not being healthy. And but like he somebody was, else he, so he was trying to turn his he, he died of a heart attack. Like he'd been trying to turn his life around. That's he. He actually left the show because they were they wanted him to be Fat Eddie the whole time. Yeah, right. He left the show, got his shit together, and then died of a heart attack two years later. Yeah. So maybe yeah, maybe that. But and then of course Trini is the most famous Power Rangers death with the yeah, car accident at twenty seven. Yeah. yeah, yeah, car accident. So I don't know if there's a Power Rangers curse. I also did not know that there are nine hundred and fifty episodes of that. But that used to be every day of my life i'd go into yeah I, think I was in second grade at the time and we would all like reenact the episode of power rangers that had been on that morning so it was on five days a week with no repeats it was and huge. that's just that's just the initial show hold on one second guys sorry i have to keep keep talking but yeah yeah it was huge they so the first series of mighty morphin power rangers was 60 episodes i think they'd set out to make like eight and then it, it was so popular that they just like bought more footage of Super Saiyan and made <laughs> and made like all these episodes of it. So like I'm I'm only on series three of Mighty Morphin Power Rangers and I've seen I've I've watched like 130 episodes of it in the last like three weeks something like that. Um, so there's like 812 episodes to go or something. It kind of feels good to commit to something like that a little yeah, bit though. Yeah, and and the other thing is because I write for the Last Estate, I, I'm basically guaranteed an article out of it. Like I like when I did the Godzilla thing, like I wrote the Godzilla article and it got published. So it's like at least I know at the end of it I'm going to get published somewhere. You know. Yeah, yeah. That that's kind of how our approach to the show is uh, treating everything in life, just like it's well, it's content. So yeah, it's content. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's that's what I do as well. Yeah. yeah. I'm watching uh I'm watching the White Lotus so that I can talk about it on Agitator Z where we can talk about more than just Japanese stuff and Yeah, that's the posh people at the resort, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, I, it's I fuck with it. I watched the menu the other night and then and Glass Onion about a week ago and I I don't like this thing that Hollywood's doing at the moment where we're supposed to be sympathizing with posh people. Like I, I'm not into it. Oh, I don't sympathize with them. I love White Lotus, but there's no sympathy there. Yeah. 
I should uh, maybe I'll watch it. Like I, I found glass onion on the menu like fucking disgusting. It was so it, it, like I, I don't understand. Like I, characters are really important to me, and these people were just like vapid. You know, there was nothing that there was nothing to them at all, especially glass onion. The menu at least was interesting, and it killed them all off at the end. Spoilers, um, <laughs> but, but like glass onion was just like, oh look at all these posh people, they're so rich. That was yeah. it. There was no, there was no, don't sympathize with them or sympathize with them. It was just they were just presented as a, d- a display of humanity, you know, that you were supposed to be interested in, and they they were not interested at all to me. Like that, yeah, no, that is a uh, that's a common. Um american thing kind of why uh i don't get into a ton of american shit is it's either i also recently watched the peripheral that is very much like these are the people you cheer for these are the bad guys yeah and i'm kind of like i don't really uh that's not really my it, it, it all depends but like most western shit is so serious about it yeah instead of just being like like a lot of Mike films or whatever, or Sono is yeah, like, Sono's like the hey, uh, he's like, hey, there's here's this shit and it's really cool. Yeah, yeah. Know? Do you know what's awesome? People getting their face stepped on. That's what's awesome. <laughs> yeah, it is awesome. We, there's a great one in Tag. There's a great face standing in Tag. Yeah. In oh the, my God. The wedding scene. Yeah, where she yeah. stomps on that cop's face. Yeah. Like, Let's <laughs> fucking go. So we are talking about Tag from 2015. This is a movie that is uh, based on a, is it a novel, manga? Yeah, it's uh, a novel, but it's like really, really like like loosely based on it. Right, right. And it's been adapted before into a TV show. And this is Sano's take on it. And it's essentially, it starts off with a a girl, Mitsuko, who is on a bus with a bunch of other screaming schoolgirls. Yeah. And she's writing in her poetry journal, right? So she's a poet one of us but she drops her pen goes to pick it up and then an evil wind this movie has it kicks the happening in the dick because that's the other evil wind movie that i can think of yeah Uh, this wind actually cuts people in half so she bends over to pick it up and this wind slices through the bus cuts the driver's heads off and cuts all the girls in half and so she stands up and there's all this blood spurting everywhere and that is when I knew that I was going to fuck with this movie. Yeah. <laughs> it's like one of my favorite opening scenes like ever from any film because it's just like, it's just perfect. Like it's, it's, it's balletic in the way that it's filmed, you know? And like, yeah, I mean, it, it, it basically like, there's no way that you can not be interested in this film once you see the opening scene. It's like Suicide Circle, the same like that's got that incredible opening scene of the girls on the Tokyo subway. You know, I don't know if you've seen it, where they jump in front of the tree. They all jump yeah. at the same time. Yeah, yeah. they all jump yeah, at the I same don't... time, and the, the the entire subway is just like turns red. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, yeah the, it's, it's an amazing the, scene. The obsession with sort of mass tragedy is interesting. Yeah, we were talking about this with uh, Zach Langley Chichi from the I'm So Popular podcast. Kelby and I were up until three in the morning talk because this this dude lives in uh tokyo and does drag over there and got us to watch um cutie honey and love and pop and then we got to talking about gaunts you ever read gaunts yeah 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. 
And uh, he said, oh, just wait till you get to the mass shooting part. The the author of that, every every story that he tells eventually includes some kind of mass shooting. Yeah. And tag is just a mass murder event after mass murder yeah. event. And apparently, it's like Alice in Wonderland if Alice in Wonderland was written by someone incredibly fucked up. Yeah, by the Columbine yeah. kids. Yeah. Yeah. Let's, let's do that. Yeah. <laughs> Alice and Columbine. Yeah, Alice and Columbine. Because there's literally a school shooting in yeah. the movie. And I think that in America, because that's something that that really happens on a semi-weekly basis, we, yeah. we sort of don't touch it. But perhaps it's still in the realm of fantasy, some kind of like deep-seated fear. We often relate things back to Hiroshima and Nagasaki in terms of, you know, sort of Japanese uh, neurosis and hang-ups yeah. and stuff, and the idea of mass death. Well, uh, that's interesting, because I've just watched all the Godzilla films, which are basically mm-hmm. all about Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. um, and yeah, yeah, but I, I agree. Like, I think, I think there's a distance, especially in Japan, you know, like since... Um, the the oh come on the the ocean rinkyo the 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 sarin attacks you know on the subway mm-hmm. like they've really distanced themselves that's why when the president prime minister whatever his name is Abe got shot like it was just like the the biggest thing that's ever happened because the guy had to make his own shotgun yeah that's yeah. how that's how like non-existent guns are over there and gun violence is you know mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. so yeah no I I agree yeah. So what, uh, Stuart, what is happening in Tag? What happens in this movie? What is happening in Tag? Oh, my Lord. Okay, so Mitsuko <laughs> is the first character, um, and she she witnesses this terrible event, um, and everyone gets sliced in half. She runs up the road. She's trying to save everyone. Everyone dies. She goes to this pool, which is when, like, so I, I I've written down, <clears throat> it's like Picnic and Hanging Rock from... Mm-hmm. Like in, in in the way it's shot, and this like this ethereal shot of this pool with all the dead girls lying in it, and she picks up the uniform, she puts the uniform on, she goes to school, and it's like nothing's happened because <clears throat> she's got this amazing friend who basically reassures her that it's all a dream, despite the fact that it obviously isn't. She's soaking wet, and she she's clearly been through it. But then, so at this point, if you don't know the film, you're like, well, this is like incredibly jarring. Like what's going on here? Because she's just had this awful occurrence. Um, but obviously, like the film is about the characters not existing, essentially, um, because it's all a video game, mm-hmm. uh, which is like <laughs> it's, it's like the twenty-first century. It was all a dream, you know. Um, and so he he basically gets these 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 female characters. And puts them in like increasingly bloody situations, um, and and he he basically does it in order to say something I think quite bluntly about the patriarchy, and about you know it's all it's all these women are being you know put into these situations by men you know, um, which I'm 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 it's it's fine I mean I I think it's pretty bluntly done I think the best thing about the film is the the violence you know oh yeah, um, oh, yeah. like I. It's it's one of his. I think it's one of his weakest films. I know, like reviews of it and stuff are, are hyped about it, and people are hyped about it, and it's it's great to watch for an hour and twenty five minutes. Mm-hmm. But like, he's capable of so much more. Um, like Love Exposure, for example. Yeah, <laughs> it felt like. Uh, and when did when did Love Exposure come out? What year was it? Two thousand five. I think. Damn, it's that 08. was 
Yeah. That was before? Yeah. That's crazy. Because it feels like an element that he would have been building up to Love Exposure. Because Love Exposure is just one of those that's like, this dude threw everything in the kitchen sink. And yeah, like... 2008, Love Exposure. Yeah, I mean, I feel like he... he I mean, it, it, Love Exposure is my favorite film, like, ever. Um, and I'd say as well that it's, like, by a, by a long way as well. Like, uh, it, it's... What about it? What about it is basically your favorite? I, I love the fact that these people get over so much. They get over so much. The, the film's all about guilt, whether it's, like, Catholic guilt or being a pervert, you know. And they they, they live on they live on the, the periphery of of Tokyo and of existence. And I, I love that about his films there. They're like, he allows his characters to just exist and to live in the world. And they, it's, it, it, it's funny. I mean, the first, like, like, like the first two hours of it are incredibly funny. Like the panty shots, the way mm-hmm. it's filmed, it's filmed like a music video and they're cartwheeling around and it's just like, it's slapstick humor, mm-hmm. you know? Um, but then it's also like, like it touches on these incredibly deep themes, but it it does it in a way that, like it, it's it's not fake, like in any way. You know what I mean? He he. Yeah. I I think I think that he basically like absolutely nailed it with low exposure, and I don't think that he'll ever make a better film, and I don't think anyone will ever make a better film. To where I think he just he just took every element of what he wanted to do, was allowed to do it. Got incredible actors that completely threw themselves into the role, you know. And I don't think that you see directors being given that amount of freedom, like very often. And I think when you do see it, and when they are given a lot of freedom, sometimes they lose themselves up their own asshole. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I don't think he did that either. I think it was an incredibly grounded, like piece of work. How do you think that somebody does that though? How do you, because I know what you're talking about because we just watched love and pop. It's fresh yeah. on my mind. Uh, and love exposure is another good example of this. I think something like itchy, the killer is another one where it, they're indulgent without being up their own asses. So how is that? Pro- what would have sent love exposure over the edge into, you know, bullshit. Well, a good so a good example would be Tokyo Vampire Hotel, which is the Amazon series that he did, where I think he did lose himself a little bit. Mm. Um, And the other one would be I don't know if you've seen The Forest of Love, which was the film he made for Netflix, but Mm. he then made that into a ten part series. So I don't think he's immune to it. Like I don't think that he's immune to losing himself, and I don't think anyone is really, you know. But I, I think that at that specific time with those people it just all came together and i think the universe does that sometimes where it just Mm. everything just worked out you know and it could be he could have had a conversation with one person and that person could have gone don't be an asshole about this and he went okay and then it happened you know that that little like 20 seconds of conversation you don't know what what caused it you know but Mm. i'm glad that it I'm I'm more glad that love exposure happened than anything else in the world, pretty much, mm-hmm. because <laughs> like it's just amazing. It's, it's I I mean I I don't want to I don't want to seem too passionate about it, <laughs> but it's a good film. Yeah, yeah, it's four hours, oh, so no, it's yeah. it's four hours, it's four, yeah. hour, four hours yeah. that you want to spend in that particular four, world, though. Four, four just... hours that feels like two. I feel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I'd watch it again. Um, I'd gladly watch it again. Yeah. 
I saw that um, uh, Gene Dealman, the film that topped the sight and sound poll that everyone was going on about, which is like a, a French film. That's three and a half hours. That felt like 90 minutes. That, that was mm. crazy, the time in mm. that, you mm. know? And I think good film, like, I love that film. Um, I, I set out to write a piece slating it, and I ended up at, like, 2 a.m. having watched it all going, yeah, this is this is great, yeah. It's it's um, a lady cooking and yeah. cleaning? Yeah, three and a half hours of it, pretty much. Yeah. Something happens in the last 10 minutes. I um, think that there's something to that as well, where I think that we like to watch people doing things. Yeah. And I think that it's just as simple as that. We get taught in books and workshops that you have to have a three-act structure and that stories are told in a certain way with a rising action and then yeah know, and then a, a, a after the climax whatever the fuck you call that thing but uh <laughs> i think that the truth of the matter is that people will watch other human beings just kind of do things as long yeah. as it's interesting and the problem with telling a story so often is that you don't have anybody doing anything they're yeah. just there to move the story along so two totally. characters right the mid shot i'm talking then Stewart's talking, then Kelby, then back, then back, then back, then back. And you have to wonder, what the fuck? Like, what are they? But they're not doing anything. Like, this isn't interesting. Meanwhile, Breaking Bad comes to mind. All the scenes with Mike Ehrmantraut of just him fiddling around a building and installing security cameras and shit yeah. like that. It's It becomes interesting. It, it's or adding, even, it's uh, adding dimension to the humans rather than the plot. You know, and then so then so so Gene Dillman, when something does happen, and the first thing that happens is like two hours into the film, you know, and it's so tiny as well, but it's like meteoric when you see it because you've watched this woman do the same things again and again and again, and it is it is a an art house film. It's definitely an experimental film, you know, but it's like hypnotic, and and I also think it 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 works really well with the way that we consume media nowadays, which is that you can occasionally look at your phone because you're not going to miss a lot, you know? Mm -hmm. um, I'm, I, I'm I immune like to it. that because uh, I only ever watch movies on my phone while I'm washing dishes. Oh yeah. <laughs> I never sit down. So I'm always like, it's a, uh, I can't, I can't be on my phone watching a movie cause that's what I'm watching it on. But Y'all freeze? No. Yeah, no, no. I didn't. I didn't freeze. Do you want me to, to carry on with tag? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so so Mitsuko, um, so they all bunk off school basically, uh, which is, and then the shots are even more like picnic at Hanging Rock at this point. Um, one of them gets attacked by a giant alligator, but they actually don't. Uh, they talk about multiple realities for a little bit, which of course like plays into the the way the film ends. Um, and then Mitsuko becomes Keiko, who's the bride who does the kick-ass wedding fight scene. Mm -hmm. uh, where... I love when that pig can't comes out of the coffin oh, yeah, the, too. The pig is like... great, yeah. And the pig comes back as well because the pig chases the next girl down when she's running the the race, you know, doing mm -hmm. cartwheels and shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so so all all, all of this basically is is a chance for him to set up the finale, um, which is basically, it's a video game that someone's mm -hmm. playing 
Um, and they're the characters. Um, and she has to basically uh, break out of the video game and kill him. Otherwise, the characters are going to be, like, dead. Yeah. But it's, yeah. it's all kind of like, I feel it's all kind of a little bit messy. I feel like he wanted to make maybe a different film. Yeah. Um, and he ended up not being able to, whether it was a studio or whether it's because he because of the, the book. I've not read the book. Right. Um, but the, the sense I get is that he like went a long way from what the book was about and the plot of the book. Um, but I feel like the last 20 minutes are just like glued on as a way to like resolve everything. And I've done that in my writing where you're like, um, a, a Magnolia is a great example. The Is it Paul Thomas Anderson film? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where uh, the, there's a bunch of disparate characters for four hours and then uh, there's a rain of frogs that they all got caught in and that's how they're all brought together. <laughs> and I felt the same way about that that I do about Tag is that, like they made this this great hour or three hours of of film, and then he was like, "How am I going to end this now?" Because I've moved these characters around so much, and I've got rid of certain characters, and so much has happened that I need like an overarching thing to bring everything together. And I feel like that's what he did with the video game. And then he was like, well, I could make it about the patriarchy. Fuck it. That'll, you know, uh, people will respect me for that. He was like, I'll get my woke points here. Yeah, I'll get my woke points in, yeah. (laughs) Which is really Um, funny when you consider that he got cancelled, what, two years ago? Oh, yeah. I mean, he, 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 (laughs) yeah, renowned sex pest, Sion Sono, yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) No way. That guy's a pervert. Who'd have known? (laughs) Who would have thought? It's it's only in every movie that he's made, you know? Yeah, the guy that made a four-hour film about taking pictures of girls' pants. Mm-hmm. In like a in like a superhero way too, like doing spins and yeah. Like, yeah. Like, he's like, no, um, no, it like taking upskirts is is cool. It's a, it, yeah, <laughs> it's, a, it's a heroic duty. Even. It's a heroic yeah. duty. Yeah. Those, exactly. those scenes, by the way, where they're getting trained to make them, you know, when they go to that old guy, <laughs> they're, they're like some of my favorite scenes, like out of any film. It's just yeah. so funny. The whole thing is so funny. Yeah. Know? It's like Kung Fu Master. Yeah, it's, it's like, like the Kung Fu guy with a mustache. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but in tag, I again with my enjoyment of watching things happen, tag went by for me, you know, like 15 minutes. I was surprised that the movie was already almost over because it's a really breezy so, film. Yeah. Yeah, I was so caught up in it. And then you get to that ending, and I see what you're saying about having to tie the whole thing together into a video game and you know it doesn't make much sense but what i'm focused on when i'm watching that is i love the uh the strange architecture of that space oh yeah i don't i don't know where they found that location but i could have watched a whole movie in this cavern that has you know some obvious evidence of of human uh construction within it but that feels very I don't know. It's like it felt like you could smell it, and you know when Mitsuko walks down that that hallway, and there's all the girls with the hair over their face, and yeah. uh, you know, just the you can for me because I'm you know again I just I just enjoy watching things happen. Uh, when it was done, 
I don't know. I just when I finish a movie, I literally don't think about like what it what it meant at all. I'm yeah. just like, huh? Like, did I have fun did I have fun when yeah. I watched it? You know? And I think that that's um, it feels very bizarre to me when I see people, uh, you know, critiquing a movie in terms of you know, uh, because I looked up reviews for Tag. And they said, uh, you know, Sano once again uh, indulges in his, you know, this is the same criticism that somebody like Nicholas Winding Refn gets with Copenhagen Cowboy and his his new uh, Netflix series. Yeah, which I'm All, probably going to start tonight. It's, it's fucking great. But it, the reviews are the same as Tag, where they say, oh, he's just, he's indulgent and he's doing, and I'm like, let the guy indulge what's he supposed to do like i don't like the idea of you know refin would be so good if there was just somebody there to rein him in no no yeah just just give him money let him in fact what's funny that there's another refin sano connection because when tokyo vampire hotel came out it was the same time that too old to die young came out and those were amazon prime specifically sent its acquisitions executives to go find auteurs to make movies uh whatever they wanted and sano and refin were the two of the big ones that they found and all that entire acquisitions crew boom that entire acquisitions crew got fucking fired after those two two pieces came out (laughs) we're like we didn't mean we didn't mean this we didn't mean actual auteurs you know yeah. yeah, we meant like uh, James Gunn or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we, we meant go get go make the boys. That's what we wanted you to do. Yeah. Oh yeah. What a yeah. But I, I love Tokyo Vampire Hotel. By the way, it's incredible. I don't know if you've seen it all the way through, but I haven't seen it all the way through. I want to see that, and I wanted to see Prisoners of the Ghostland. Um, I I have I have issues with that film. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's the, if you like films that go by quickly, you don't want to watch that film. <laughs> it's, a, it's, it's a slog. It's, yeah. it's a real slog. And I, and I love Nick Cage, and I right. love Steven Soto, obviously. And when they got together, I was like, this is going to be brilliant, because it, Nick Cage is basically the acting version of Sion Sono, I think, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just, it didn't work for me. It, it, it was, it was I, I, I would say 70% of it was, was boring, I thought. That's the cardinal sin. You just can't be boring. And I I have a feeling, though, that that is sort of what I feel like watching auteurs work is interesting because they do seem to have a disconnection from things like overall plot. So we watched the, the making of documentary of Love and Pop. And I've read interviews with Mike Sano, Sukumoto, Refn, Lynch, and they well, in Lynch's case, he refuses to talk about any of it, which I think yeah. is smart. But in all of their cases, they don't, if you were to talk to them about a specific scene, they could tell you what's going on. Yeah. Right? They're like, well, when we're in this scene, this is how these different characters are feeling. This is the mood that I'm trying to evoke with yeah. this. But then when you ask them what the movie is about, it's like they go blank. They say, yeah. I mean, the the movie is the collection of, these different moments that yeah. I stitched together uh, through. And I think if actually. Lynch did talk about it, that's what he'd say as well. Because mm-hmm. like his his films are like uh, they 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 operate on a completely different level to entertainment. I think I think they operate on a level of like where he's taking you, and it it, it it's almost like a roller coaster. You know, he knows when to put a five minute scene of someone brushing up a bar, 
mm-hmm. you know, because then straight after that, he's going to take you somewhere else. And, you know, it's the journey from down to up that he's interested in, not mm-hmm. what this what this person is doing in point A and point B, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I think he he made he got the same deal as as Siono did with um, uh, the return when uh, showcase were like, well, fucking just give him money and let him make the return. And he did. And like that that series is just like hilarious. Mm-hmm. It's, it's awesome. Incredible, incredible stuff. But then it's also packed full of him going, I can't believe you're allowing me to do this. This is brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 And that that's what I like to see. Yeah. 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 That uh I watched the making of stuff on the return too. And when he's talking to it's exactly like that. Like footage of him on set directing is not nothing like so what's going so here's what's going on it's all like uh uh one of the actors is it jerry the brother of the uh i forget everybody's name but you know the one that gets the one that gets stuck in the woods because he's looking at his own foot oh yeah that's jerry yeah 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 Yeah. Yeah. he come that actor came up to him and uh he was like so what am i uh uh where's where's my character at in this and david (laughs) and lynch is like He's he's sad. Very sad. <laughs> he's like, okay, okay. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and I uh, I like the making of of Love and Pop with uh, Hide, Hideaki Anno, and he's talking to Tadanobu Asano, who's like this pervert who talks to a stuffed animal. He's kind of like the big bad of the movie, and they're talking about the character, and Anno's like, I think this character just really hates his mother. He blames everything on his mother. And the actor is like, okay. And then they do an interview with him after that. He says, Anno says a lot of things. Yeah. And none of them makes any sense, really. (laughs) (laughs) But it's the iron will. It's the ability to say, this is what we're, we're doing here. I can imagine the making of something like Tag and it's he says okay so this this hap- this is like a chase movie for the first 15 minutes this wind is going after mitsuko and people are being cut in half left and right and it's so fucking funny i was laughing every single time somebody gets cut in yeah. half because it's so insane but uh and i also laughed oddly enough when the girl gets shot by her teacher and her hand comes off yeah, that's funny. And then, yeah. and, then it's, yeah. and then her head gets shot again. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I have to imagine that that's what Sano is telling people too. It's like this is you know, this is our slapstick like Buster Keaton type shit, right? Like, yeah. oh hey, you know, you get your hand blown off, and then we squish a face, and it's fun. <laughs> but the the idea of being paid money and given a budget to create something like that is so appealing where you just get a bunch of actors and you say, okay, we're going to, now we do this, the head smushing scene. And now we do the sex scene now. And and they're like, but wait, why is there, why does sex have to be in this movie? And then you say, shut up. We're doing the sex scene. (laughs) It's, it's, it's time for the ritual. Uh, It has to be a lot like being in a cult, making a movie, right? You have to listen. It's like, it's it's, it's the self publishing of the movie world. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, that's why I like, I like publishing my own work as well, is because like no one like in Hitler Pony, there's like a there's like a three page scene where they're basically imagining uh, a pony sitting on their face. And, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I read that. 
you know, if I if I if I if I had if I had submitted that to people, they probably would have come back and gone, no, but also, what the fuck? You know? <laughs> um, but then you know that that book, like people love that book. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I don't think it would have seen the light of day if if I'd have gone traditional publishing because like it's it's incredibly niche. Mm-hmm. And yeah, because it's like, all so, like AOL so, so hypno ponies. And... They actually exist. So this. This subculture of people actually exist. So there are there are small subculture of My Little Pony fans, of which I am one, proud, not a hypno yeah, pony. We gotta talk about that. A My Little <laughs> Pony fan. Um but they exist and they use these tapes. I mean, uh, they use these hypnosis tapes to try and become ponies. And so obviously it's incredibly funny, but at the same time, it's incredibly sad. And I mm-hmm. th- this sadness is something that I'm really interested in. In fandoms, specifically in fandoms, the sadness that brings you to a fandom, Ooh. And, like the yeah. emptiness that brings you to a fandom, yeah. and I think that if you're if you're spending, hi, oh okay, it's fine. If you're spending a, a significant amount of time willing your life away to become a pony from a cartoon, you're obviously incredibly sad, you mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. it, it was that that I was really interested in. You know, and and that's why I'm so interested in fandoms in general. Um, is like what brings people. I don't care about the the uh, the show's great. I love the show, but I don't care about the show. I care about what brings a bunch of grown men to openly admit that they like this program that is going to get them fucking pillared, you know, and bullied and the piss taken out of them constantly. And what what makes you go? Actually, I don't care about that. Mm. I just I just want like to crawl back into the womb of this cartoon that and i i'm running out of the sentence but that the, the, that bit that bit is is what interests me and that's why i spent like for hypnopony i spent like months in those chat rooms like talking to these people and i listened to all the hypnosis tapes and i got friendly with people and um, and they knew what I was doing. Like I wasn't, I, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do that because this is something they're incredibly passionate about. And if you then was like, "Well, I'm going to fucking write a book about you and not tell you know, and not tell them," I don't, I don't think that that I could have done that. But um, they're fascinating people. Like, and some of them were forty, some of them were eighteen, some of them were thirty. You know. Um, they yeah so 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 that is something that i'm i'm really like i was invested in when i was writing that you know so you're more interested in the fandom aspect of it yeah for sure but you do like the so you said that there's a loneliness i've been fascinated by the my little pony thing too um it's the psychology of the juggalo yeah it is yeah yeah yeah. you're completely right yeah it is I, I mean, first of all, I should say that me and my wife basically just watch cartoons. Like, I love, mm-hmm. I love cartoons. We watch like Amphibia. We watch. I, I love watching My Little Pony. We also watch like adult cartoons, like American Dad and stuff. So I have no issue openly admitting that I love cartoons. Um, but and it is also a very good cartoon. It's not like it was written by Lauren Faust, who, um, who's made really good cartoons and who was around for like Cartoon Network and Nickelodeon when they were trying to aim them at more adult people anyway um it's it's incredibly gentle not very much happens the animation's lovely the music's all right the music's nice but people are obsessed with it and that's what i'm interested in 
is this like this doesn't happen with SpongeBob. You know, there's mm-hmm. not people there's not people like obsessively poring over every single episode of SpongeBob. You know, um, so it, it's what what about these specific things make people so obsessed with them? You know, and that's I I, I find that fascinating. You know, and that's why I write about it. What what is it? I I, I feel like so with My Little Pony, I feel that there's a, it's an act of rebellion. Definitely. It's, a, it's an act of rebellion to like this program that you're not allowed to like. People say you're not allowed to like it. Um, uh, but I also think that it's... The, there's... It's... I, I don't know. It's it's really complicated. I, I feel like a lot of it is just belonging and the need to belong. So once this subsection of people is there in the first place, once it grows, then you want to join it, you know? Um, and you want to become like I, I, I started watching the program because I watched the documentary Bronies and I saw these people and I thought, what's all this about? I didn't start watching the cartoon because the cartoon was there. You know, uh, the same with Star Trek. I think people want to become Trekkies and they, they want to belong to this thing, this like this incredibly broad, but also tight mesh of humanity that that. It's like it's like being in a cult. Well, that worked really well, didn't it? It's like being <laughs> in a cult, you know. Um, you want to belong, and this uh, My Little Pony is is somewhere where you can belong. And the 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 fandom's great, you know. There's never any there's never any real like like writing drama, like on Twitter, for example. There's none of that in the My Little Pony fandom. You know, they all there's just a bunch of people just watching these ponies like walk around and. They write because they don't it. want anything. They don't want it. They they just they're just enjoying something, right? Yeah, they're just enjoying it. Yeah, and and and, and don't get me wrong. A lot of these people want to fuck the ponies, right? Let's not, yeah. you know, that that does exist, and there's absolutely <laughs> no point. There's absolutely no point saying that it doesn't. Like yeah. a lot yeah. of people want to fuck the ponies. Um, are they hurting anyone? No, they're not hurting anyone by doing it. Is it weird? Yeah, it's weird, definitely. Right. You know? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of people want to fuck kids, and I would say yeah. that that's probably worse, you know. Yeah, than, yeah, it's than, definitely worse. Yeah, you know, it's... and and also if you're if you're a sexual deviant and you go online and you decide actually I'm going to become a sexual deviant to ponies, then that's great. You make then they the, the ponies can take up your time that otherwise you would have been looking at child porn for example i feel bad talking about it when you've got a child in your arms but that's... No, it's i can i can uh i can i can separate the two um some of them might men they got to be careful though because uh they could end up in a mr hand situation yeah and uh you know if they just don't let the ponies fuck you that's that yeah. would be my only you know if you do by god i mean you better hope that you can that you can take that yeah, I mean, I mean, there's, there's a certain logistical factor that I think comes in, um, you know, which is in, in itself quite interesting, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, not the uh, re- relating it, relating it to Juggalos unlock, it kind of unlocked that psyche in my brain because I I can see that. Whereas even even to the point of like, uh, what is the deal with what is it about My Little Pony? Because with me, I've I relate a lot to I'm not a juggalo but like I can I can relate to that yeah um and I fuck with a lot of my homies are juggalos but I uh 
even they don't just bang ICP all the time. And I'm yeah. not really like into ICP. They're fine. But yeah. like I've never been a big insane clown posse fan. But that culture I can completely understand. Yeah. And, and I do think you that... when you think of that culture, do you get images in your brain that are specific to that culture? Oh yeah. I, like like for example, uh, like a, when I think of the My Little Pony culture, I think of the 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 conventions where everyone's like walking around and they're all in the they're all in the fancy dress and they're just like chilling with their mates with the juggalos. I mean, I don't know a huge amount about juggalos. You may have noticed I'm the most British white person in the world, um, <laughs> but like I I think of like a bunch of people like sitting on the back of a truck, drinking, listening to good music, and you're safe there. You know what I mean? Uh, and the reason you're safe there is because everyone's just as fucked up as you are. Yeah. You know? um, There's something to what you were saying about the ponies being something that they're not supposed to like. There's yeah. an element of ICP with that too, you know, yeah. where it's fucking goofy. It's clowns. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, you go to these gatherings and you dress up like a clown and you talk about murdering people with axes and, you know, it's, it's all like horror core type yeah. shit. Like there's very few ICP songs that are about, uh, well, except for mag uh, miracles, right? Miracles is the yeah. famous song where they say magnets. How do they work? But it is an element of of you know ICP might be something that they initially connect with because their lyrics are about you know I'm fucked up and nobody gets me and I'm you know this yeah. is like. But then when it gets out into the subculture, or not in, not into the subculture, but the the culture culture, and people make fun of it. Don't play with the electrical outlet. Uh, when people make fun of it, that's when it becomes solidified. Yeah, where it's like, oh, now this is my that now this is my tribe. Yeah, it, it's very yeah. There's a lot of us against them. I think in in fandom in general, you know, um, mm. and it's 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 very comforting. Like uh, being being part of a, a fandom is is incredibly comforting because it it's so easy to feel lost in the world. I think there's so many people and so many. It's just so big the world. That, that you try and bring it down to size to somewhere where you feel more comfortable, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. Yeah, look at what's going on with uh, Catholicism right now. Yeah. Everybody, that's the that's the thing. It's so yeah. stupid, man. It's <laughs> insane. Well, that, that, that shit is insane to me. Like It's so blasphemous, yeah. too. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. you know, if you, if you have a, any, any kind of, uh respect for the religion at all it's like yeah even as like i'm not i've never been catholic and i'm not catholic but like uh i, I see a lot of it i'm like god is so mad at you <laughs> you're going yeah. to hell yeah because you're getting into religion because it's hot right now i mean yeah. come on it reminds me when i was a younger guy uh out of high school so like early 2000s there was a big buddhist craze yeah that i got into i was i, 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 I lived with buddhists yeah in yeah UK for a while yeah like buddhists and uh even like hinduism you know yeah. i mean mm -hmm. going back to the source basically and there's something so fucking cringe to me about a white dude whose name is like ramdead jungalapesh or whatever yeah. you know it's like <laughs> what are you what are you doing man like this is so it's it feels like uh religion should be something that you do uh completely in secret i think jesus even said that that you should yeah. pray in secret yeah. and you shouldn't you shouldn't be open about it because it's not that it's cringe and 
obviously it doesn't matter what the fuck I think, believe whatever you want, who cares? But at the same time, it feels like people who get into a new relationship and they're constantly posting on uh, like Facebook or Twitter about like, I love this person so much. This is my life partner. And then two months later they broke up because they were faking it. That's yeah. how the God thing seems to me now too. It's like, Oh, I went to mass tonight and it was the Latin mass that you can't find anywhere else. And it's so exclusive. Mel Gibson had to tell me where it was. That's what Shia LaBeouf Shia LaBeouf's big into the Catholic shit now. And he's like, I had to go to Mel Gibson and ask him where the real Latin mass was. And it's like, shut up, you dipshit. Nobody cares. Yeah, I feel like if you're going to Mel Gibson for religious advice, you're probably like on the wrong track. <laughs> yeah. Did, did you see that video of him helping uh, helping this guy change his tire or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he was like, I could kill you. <laughs> I, I feel like the single greatest piece of Mel Gibson media is the South Park episode. Mm-hmm. Do you know when they uh, <laughs> yeah the, pa- the passion oh. of the Christ? Mm-hmm. I fuck with Apocalypto heavy though. I thought Apocalypto, Apocalypto was great. great. I thought it was a great movie. If, any, if anyone else had made that, it would have been an Oscar winner. Yeah, like, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, because old Jew hater made mm-hmm. it. You know, and 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 don't don't hate Jews uh, like, and then you'd be fine. I feel like just just or do it in the background oh. in your head. Don't call me tells me that every day. Yeah, like if you just get rid of the Jew hate. That's what I I tell him. I'm like, the show is blowing up. You need to like just yeah, just tone it down. Just tone it down. (laughs) No, he's he's insane, and he's a great example of how people like uh, how the fuck did like his life happen? You know, (laughs) Um, and how how is he? Was he? Like, because I don't know a huge amount about him. Was he completely crazy before he started making films? Or did he make a couple of good films, go crazy, and then everyone was like, well, we're going to have to put up with him now because, you know, because he made Mad Max. Um, right. He's always been crazy as far as I've, as far as I've known the man. No. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah <laughs> but I mean, Lethal Weapon was like the first Mel Gibson I can remember. Yeah. Uh, and I was like, yeah, this, this motherfucker's a psycho. Well, I think that celebrities are insane. They're just insane in different ways. And his happened to manifest as anti-Semitism, which is a big no-no for obvious reasons, right? Uh, We don't want to be, uh, yeah, we we don't want to be like hating any sort of people or religion for all the different reasons that people hate them. But everybody's crazy in Hollywood. You just have to be the right kind of crazy. Like the Kardashians, nobody bats an eye. Clearly insane people. Yeah. But what eat yeah i i i think to to you you're basically putting your life like out for people to judge you like you have to be a certain kind of crazy to want that attention i think oh yeah yeah no i'm already fed up with the attention that we get from this show like yeah which isn't which compared to mel gibson is minuscule yeah and uh I'm like, nah, can I just take uh, just the money, please? Everything yeah. else, nobody yeah. needs to know me. Yeah. I don't give a shit. <laughs> yeah, that's why I backed off. Of tw- I mean, I just feel like Twitter is such a waste of time. It's such a, any yeah, thought that yeah. I have that it's could go on Twitter. Way. Like, yeah, I, any... I, I really liked using Twitter to promote my books and it worked really well. And then it's just like almost impossible to do it now. Yeah, the algorithm saw that it was working for you. This is the exact same thing that happened with Broken River, 
when I first launched it in 2013, we were on Facebook and that was when you could do something called get organic reach, which means that I would post something, you know, these are the first five books we had, you know, Stephen Graham Jones, William Boyle, uh, Jed Ayers, Pierce Hansen and Anthony Neal Smith, right? Those were the five, the first five, right? It was a really strong yeah. opening. It had a really strong aesthetic. Uh, it had a good look to it. Rivera did all five covers and kind of started that whole weathered pulp paperback revival trend. And so it was, it was a strong lineup, but the thing was, is that people could actually see it. You know, yeah. the, the whole idea is you do something cool and then you tell people about it. That's all sales is that's marketing, right? Yeah. And it's becoming, I could see it as, as Broken River went on and I would repeat the process. I'd find books that I thought were cool, give them cool covers, tell people about it. And you just saw the engagement go, just nothing, and nothing changed except the algorithm kicked in yeah. and they started deciding to make money out of it. And Twitter is the same. Twitter is so insidious to me because, you know, you can see it manipulating you as you use it. You can see if you stay off of it for five days and then you post one thing, it'll get like a lot of attention. And now that you so can see, now that you can see views, when I go without posting for a while and then throw something up, I like within hours, I have like 3,000 views on it mm-hmm. versus them having like seven day old shit. If I'm like back to back, here's a thing, here's another thing, and here's another thing, it's like 250, 272. I also feel like you're you're just exposing yourself to like so much like pathetic shit. <laughs> yeah. You know, you really like social media really just like reinforces how incredibly stupid a lot of people are, I think, you know, and how narcissist I mean the, the, I feel like the narcissism came because of the social media. I don't think that it was I think that people have become obsessed with being interesting. Mm-hmm. And they've also been convinced that they are interesting. And I think that actually it's fine if you're not interesting, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and not being interesting is quite a good way to go. It's the same as being lazy. Being lazy gets a lot of criticism, but being lazy is actually fine, you know, yeah. every now and then. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't need constant updates on people's lives. And Facebook, I mean, I don't do Facebook. I haven't done for like 10 years. Facebook was, was bad for that. You know, mm-hmm. like Stuart Buck is eating toast and then... Like someone to go, oh, lol, toast, you know, um, and then and then you'd be like, oh, brilliant. Well, tomorrow when I eat toast, I better, I better make sure that I post about it because someone, uh, yeah, you know, yeah. people want to know what I'm eating. So I'm doing this fucking thing. I'm doing it. I'm doing it at the moment with Twitter. Every time my wife bought some mugs for Christmas, and every time I use a new one because they've got little frogs on them and stuff, I'm doing this post where I'm holding it on the same morning, and like twenty people are liking it, and I'm like, oh, this is brilliant. I'll do I'll do another. One. <laughs> <laughs> these fucking mugs we've got mugs coming you know we've got, we've got dozens of mugs now because i want i want to make sure that people know that i'm i'm quirky you know i do it i mean i i i, I had this conversation with will uh, i don't know if you know him from misery tourism he does this thing on his Substack where he interviews like small press okay people. yeah 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 and we were we were talking about this and and like all the criticism that i level at social media and it was the same for him like i actively engage in it at the same time and i've i've given up i mean the only drug that i wasn't addicted to at one point was heroin and i've given it all up and i cannot give up twitter i tried i tried getting rid of the app it came back within four days 
uh, you should I just, try getting I, people really mad at you, which is what I do. Well, I got I got cancelled a couple of years ago, and I lost all my followers. For what? Like um, My Little Pony, or what? No, it was um, <laughs> there was it was it was it was literary drama. There was uh, some guy had sent an inappropriate photo to a girl who uh, who said, "Oh, I don't like this photo." And then one girl that I was friends with at the time, who was publishing my work said, oh, don't be too cross with him because he was really drunk. And then they all piled on her and she ended up trying to commit suicide um, because of all these wonderful writers who were like, uh, and I said, you know what? Maybe the best thing isn't to try and make someone commit suicide. And that was it then. That was like, yeah. oh, this this person supports uh, this. This person supports this man who I had no idea existed, you know, and had never spoken to. But I was then inextricably linked with this guy who sent his cock to someone just because I supported not forcing someone to try and commit suicide. Also, uh, I think that you should just deal with dick pics. Like, grow up. Who gives a shit? <laughs> I think I think just tweet about them. Yeah. Just like look at look at this look at this pathetic penis that someone sent me. <laughs> right. What if it's a really what if it's I'd a really solid dick them. though? Like, what if it's a really great dick? I mean, then, then, then do something else with it. You know, I mean, (laughs) (laughs) I just, I just, yeah. So I, I lost, I lost like a shit. I I used to have like 5,000 followers and I lost like, now I have like 900 and it's fine. But I, 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 I experienced that. And, and um, I feel like I, I feel like to be canceled, you have to care what the people canceling you think. Yeah. yeah, like it's incredibly easy not to care what these people think. If they ain't paying your bills, pay them no mind. That's what yeah. Paul says. Exactly. I mean, the only person I really care about is my wife. To be honest, like if my wife had an issue, then I'd change my behavior. Mm-hmm. You know, because I want to make my wife happy. But apart from that, I will continue being the same person I have always been. You know, because it's none yeah. of your fucking business. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes it really uh that makes it really easy to navigate through all the bullshit is when yeah. you have somebody like that cuz like it's just it's hilarious when anybody comes at me or David, usually David. It's always me, bro. It yeah. <laughs> about being racist or whatever. It's like oh okay, my my wife who is not the same color as me doesn't think so so <laughs> i don't give a shit <laughs> yeah, yeah 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 it's one of those things where it's like oh okay some some well, that, so that was people the, on the internet the the funny thing that um that happened to misery tourism like a year ago where they printed uh a piece by rudy and it had the n-word in it repeatedly and okay donkey who are this fucking bastion of filth terrible people you know um they they tweeted out and they were like i can't believe this uh this this lit mag is saying the n-word they're terrible they're terrible and rudy's black um and like they didn't know that and rudy was like oh but i'm black so it's so it's fine it, it is fine isn't it and he was taking the piss out of them basically mm-hmm. um and they like they issued an apology saying we didn't realize that he was black um we're sorry for attacking him and it's like well why did you do it in the first place <laughs> right you know like right. 
Like right. you, why didn't you do like just the bare minimum of due diligence to to yeah. check and see who was it? Are you assuming that every writer is white? Yeah, that seems that seems racist to me, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, I mean that that is racist. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but that that all, all that shit, I I just ignore all that. It's so easy. I I'm not. I'm I'm very much not one of these people that thinks silence is violence. I just don't care. I don't care about politics. I've never voted. I don't care about any social justice. I just look <laughs> after. I'm just. I just try and be a nice person to the people that I actually live with. You know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Thank you. And uh, and 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 that's and that's it. And I don't care about anything else or anything that happens in this tiny subsection of social media, which we apparently think is our entire life nowadays, you know? Um, and people, that, that my... what you just said makes people so mad too. If you just say, I, I don't, I don't care. They yeah. hate you more than if you say that you think racism is good. Yeah. 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 It's like I said, it's, it's like silence is violence. That, that, that phrase is, is big in, in social justice. And I, I don't I, I don't I don't have an issue with people not being dickheads, you know, and I, I think that's great. I just don't care about what anyone does. You know, I just get on with my own shit. And it's hard enough having your own life w- without having to assume that you're responsible for the rest of the world, which is what the news does, because the news like makes you think that you're connected to this web of humanity and everything that's going on is somehow your fault and it's not it's not your fault you know it's just it's happening and you're coexisting like alongside it Mm. and I, i feel like i don't believe in god but if there was a god and if there was heaven and hell he wouldn't be hugely interested with what i said on twitter he'd be like have you killed anyone but, you know, <laughs> did you look? Yeah. Did you look after your your wife? Did you love your? Did you love your animals? You know, stuff like that. Uh, not, you know, did you accidentally publish someone who said the n word four years ago? <laughs> um, which, to my knowledge, I haven't done. But, uh, you know, I don't check that hard. I think. Yeah, I try to be courteous and public about it, and just you know. Yeah kind of repeatedly say it so that so that everybody's like oh yeah 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 no it's been it definitely hasn't been four years he said it yesterday yeah (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) just i just think i just think just be nice Mm -hmm. and enjoy what you enjoy and don't like project anything onto people and don't don't leave the world like a worse place as you found it and it's not hard to do like people people seem to think it's incredibly hard not to be a cunt but it's it's quite easy when you when you boil things down to should I do this or should I not do this? You know, should I push this old man over or should I not push this old man over? If you don't do it, you've made the right choice, you know? Yeah, I have those thoughts every day. There's an old man. I'm like, yeah. oh. But some of them deserve, some of them deserve so to be frail. You know? It'd be so easy. <laughs> It'd be so yeah. easy. All right, finally got the kid down. Sorry about that, Stuart. I, uh, this is how how we do the podcast you know it's like the only way to really get it done either if it's during the day it's going to be me doing what i just did or it then if it's at night it's basically kelby getting kicked in the face over and over again by during the day is like so much i I hate having things at night Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. like i i find it really difficult to like wait for things you know (laughs) um 
like if I if I for example if we were doing this at eight o'clock in the evening, I would be sat in front of this laptop from about three. <laughs> waiting, you know. um, I'm just waiting for it to go down. Well, I just, think yeah. that I think that the whole be nice thing, I think that that is uh, that's a mantra that we've been repeating over and over again, and well, it's something it's that be, I mentioned. Be regular. Yeah, yeah. Because I, yeah. I have trouble being nice. Yeah, being nice is not the thing. I, being being know. a normal person is what we try to do because it's basically like, you know, a lot of people who are online and seem to be the most committed to constantly saying the right things are literally the worst people in real life that you could possibly yeah. imagine. Like they disown their families. They can't hold down a relationship. They're just dicks to everybody around them. You know, yeah. you ever meet somebody who's like, who used to be, who's like a straight edge dude, like a Gen X straight edge dude with like a bunch of tattoos and they have the Ukraine flag and the Black Lives Matter flag. And they're just the fucking, they're the worst person yeah. you've ever met in your entire life. You're like, well, they're, they're spending, they're spending a lot of energy projecting like a, uh, like the way that they want people to assume that they are rather than spending that time not being a dickhead. You know? mm-hmm. um, I think like the, the, it's the thing with online personas, online personas become everything to people, you know? Mm-hmm. And I, I think like, I, like a lot, like an image that I have in my head all the time is, you know, when someone's like, uh, when someone's going through the timeline or someone's going through social media and they find something that they don't like and they roll their sleeves up and they're shaking you know, and the tears are coming to the back of their eyes and they know that they're going to absolutely kill this person. And they're so excited just to, just to involve themselves in shit. Mm-hmm. And that, mm-hmm. how empty does your life have to be? Like your normal life. If that is what you like, if you get up like angry and looking for fights every single morning, mm-hmm. um, like uh, that, that means you have serious like mental problems. Mm-hmm. I think. Yeah, and I saw something in the New York Post <clears throat> a few days ago where te- uh, teachers and parents, oh no, it's parents in Seattle, have filed a lawsuit against the education system for brainwashing their children. And what they're brainwashing them about is neither here nor there. But I think that, uh, oh no, 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 I'm misspeaking, I'm misspeaking, I'm misspeaking. There, it is teachers and it is parents uh, who are suing social media companies for brainwashing kids, right? Because their basic teachers are saying it's impossible to teach these kids because 50% of them are on social media between one and three hours a day. 30% of them are on for more than three hours a day. And they say, we can't, we actually can't teach them anything because they completely lost their ability to focus. And I think that the way that we watch a television show like Mad Men and everybody's smoking cigarettes and the joke is that we all know that's bad for you now and they yeah. don't. That's the same fucking thing. In 2050, there's going to be a Mad Men-esque program. And what's going to be so funny is that everybody's got their phones. It is on their phones all the time. Yeah. And they're like, oh, they didn't realize that's what led to the great purge of 2034. Yeah. They didn't realize that <laughs> what, the, what they were doing when they did that. And then we're all going to, we're going to have to learn a really uh, nasty lesson, like to the tune of a, of a light, you know, civil war, a lot more violence uh, before we finally realize like, oh, you know what? I should probably put this shit away. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. Mm-hmm. Uh, having said that, I love my phone. 
you know, <laughs> or, or rather, or rather, it it has a hold of me more. So, I mean, I didn't actually even have a phone until about six years ago, something like that. I managed to get away with not having one for so long because I knew, because I've got the kind of personality that the kind of personality that ranks every Power Rangers episode, for example. <laughs> I knew that if I got a smartphone, I would not be able to stop looking at it. But the 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 the, the, the most thing, the thing that I do most is like researching stuff. Like I'll have all these thoughts in my head and then all of a sudden I'll be like, oh, who was the guy that went to the North Pole and climbed out of a hole with his own shit? Oh, which is an amazing story, by the way. I don't know if you know. Tell that story, please. I'm very interested. Okay, so I don't know the guy's name. I can look up the guy's name really quickly. Uh, It is a Swedish guy. Hang on. Uh, Ice climb. Oh, shit. (laughs) Have you have you seen the picture? It's the guy in the 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 map, the, the explorer who climbed. Hang on, I'll have to I'll have to do what my mum does, which is like put in an entire sentence into Google. <laughs> um, he was basically stuck down a hole, and he could not get out of the hole. I can tell this story without you knowing his name. He couldn't get out of the hole, um, and the way that he did it in the end was he did a shit, waited for it to go frozen, and then climbed out of the hole with his frozen shit. <laughs> like using it as as a pickaxe. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Damn. <laughs> That's like some prison shit. Like yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's the photo. There's a famous photo of him with his wife, and he's like eight foot high, and he's covered in all these coats, and his wife is like a little Inuit uh, woman, um, and he's he he did something else as well. He he like fought like three polar bears at once or something he's a crazy dude um oh, but he i don't even remember why we're talking about him but anyway I, oh yeah research so so i will do that so i will think about that and then i'll go on the guy's wikipedia page and then all of a sudden i'll be like five or six wikipedia pages deep and i'll be like oh i can think of you know this is a great idea for a story the story i'm writing at the moment is set during the great depression so, like every five seconds, I'm on the phone learning about something to do with the Great Depression, and and then obviously once I've looked at the thing, I've then got to check social media and tell people that I'm looking at it because you know, <laughs> what, what what else is there to do, you know? Mm-hmm. And then so I I actually probably use my phone like I would say five hours a day, maybe mm-hmm. something something like that, mm-hmm. um, which is far too long. Yeah, I we got the uh, Kelby and I last night we were talking and we got the Shonen Jump app, which has all the yeah. manga on it. And yeah. so that I think for me is an effort to reprogram my brain. I, I think that <clears throat> what really happened for me over the past few weeks was that I got we started doing the Patreon for this show and it yeah. did really well. And I only ever need a little bit of encouragement to get obsessed with something like if we came out with the patreon and like you know 20 people subscribe then i'd be like oh fuck it like who cares but a bunch of people subscribe and so i thought oh i need to devote my time to this and i feel like once i have a direction in life whether that's working out or working on a project i don't get on social media much when i'm deep into writing a book uh so i think that that's i just don't have twitter on my phone and i don't like instagram that much no, so I, don't, I, I don't just, I just kind of don't look at my phone now. Yeah. I mean, it's in my pocket. And if we'd been having this conversation a month ago, I might have checked it a few times, like yeah. 
just like see what's going on. Yeah, I don't I don't care because um and then you go back to Twitter. You go you open Twitter back up after being gone for a while because I again I only have it on my desktop and my desktop has an app on it that completely dealgorithmizes the whole thing. It's just it's yeah. a it's a chronological timeline. And uh nobody's really saying anything interesting no. at all. Uh, and I'm like, well, why am I why would I spend even another minute? I have every issue of Gaunt's on my Kindle. I have yeah. Biomega that I'm reading. I have Soul Mountain that I could pick up. That's I can watch a movie. That, that that happened to me when I came back from backpacking around Europe was like I was out for three years and you get back and it's the same people saying the same thing, living the same life. And like you've gone off and done all this amazing stuff and you've realized how big the world is and how small you are. And then you get back and like Tracy's still talking about what she's going to have for dinner tonight. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. and people are still liking it and people are getting into the same arguments about whether a black guy can be racist or not. Uh, You know, it's just it's just like what what what's going on but but when you're involved in it and when you're when, when it's there in front of you it's so it's easy as well that's the other thing about social media is it's easy it's easy to engage with it you only need a thumb you don't need any thoughts or anything you know you can just like people's posts and you can see what they're doing and you don't have to think about yourself and your mental health and where you live and whether you've got money and whether you've got bills and stuff it's like escapism but specifically designed to be addictive mm-hmm. i think that that's what and i and i like i said like i'm completely addicted to it and i can i can sit here and bullshit and go yeah social media is terrible and it is but as soon as as soon as this is done i'm going to go onto twitter and post that i've done it as soon as it's done well hey then you might get cancelled for that and you you'll have a Another. I mean, an excuse to come off that'd be brilliant maybe i should just do something openly offensive well i can't yeah. now i've got i've got bear creek that's the thing that's the thing about bear creek is that i've i've maneuvered myself into a position where i can't now be really offensive to people yeah <laughs> yeah because Good i've thing. got like writers who have who are coming out i've got like a full press for the next two years um and th- that's the thing about bear creek is that my writing's pretty fucked up but a lot of the writing that i write uh, that i publish on bear creek is not that fucked up it's it's pretty like mainstream weirdness and so a lot of the people that that i publish are, are the sort of people who might cancel me mm-hmm. if they saw my personal <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. what uh what do you have coming out tell us about Bear Creek and uh, okay. basically yeah. like what like you know I've been in the publishing biz so so what's your what's your goal with all the is there a goal you just having fun I just I just want to make cool books with people I mean hell yeah let's go the the, the end goal I suppose would be to not lose thousands of dollars per year that would be cool um so the gazette is going down to a weekly, like a blog post. Uh, the issue that's actually that's due out tomorrow is going to be the last issue. And then I'm going back to being a paying market and I'm going to respond to subs under seven days because that's what I would expect. I know that that, that is not what you get, but that's what I'm going to do. Um, the press is, 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 is the thing that's taken off really. And 
Um, like a lot of it is down to Kyle's book, which, like, like we we've discussed, is going to be big, and his his next book won't be on a small press. You know, mm-hmm. it just won't. He'll, I w- I would imagine he'll get, he'll go the the next level higher, and then eventually, I think he'll be writing for the big five because he's just got that thing, and he's a veteran as well, which people fucking love. You know, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. people love a veteran, and he writes. He writes these stories that are like relatable, but also incredibly weird. Um, and he 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 shills himself. He's such a good self marketer as well, you know. And he he's he, like he's got a he's got stories out in pigeonholes, and he's been subbing there for like seven years, and he won't give up. He won't give up. He won't give up. He's like, and and now they're publishing him, you know. And he's like the he's like the antithesis of me, whereby I'll write I'll write all this stuff, and then it'll come time to send it off to someone and I might send it to one person. And if they take more than two weeks, I'll just withdraw it. And I'll be like, I'll just publish it myself. Mm-hmm. You know? um, mm-hmm. Cause I just don't have the patience. Um, well, and it depends what long game you're playing too. Like yeah. I, uh, I don't, I'm not a short story person because of the process. Yeah. And when I, like now I've got short stories that I'm working on and I'm just going to drop them on the agitator Patreon because yeah. it's more content and we're getting paid. Yeah. So it, de- like... it, it depends what, what sort of like feet, like I, so it's, it's a real sort of shot of adrenaline when you post something and someone's like, Oh, this, this is great. You know? And I feel like with novels and novellas, which is what I'm writing at the moment, you don't get that, that automatic like adrenaline rush. Because you write it and then it's weeks and weeks and months and months before anyone reads it. Mm-hmm. And it, it's complicated for me. Like I, I'm never really sure why I write. I, there's no real long game with me because I I don't think that I mentally I'd be able to deal with being a famous writer. Like, you know, I like I like the fact now that I've got a a, a, sm- a small-ish audience. I mean, I, I sell about a hundred copies of each of my books, which is fine. You know, and it's always to the same people as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like that because I know I know that they're gonna dig it because it's weird and mm-hmm. it's all right. You know, it's it's not it's not it's not like I'm not gonna get a publishing contract anytime soon, but they're gonna enjoy it and they're gonna be like, Oh, Stuart read this, it was great. And that makes me feel good. If I for some reason, which I will never do, got an agent and they sold a book. And all of a sudden, I was getting a hundred thousand reviews on Goodreads, and you know, sixty thousand of them were, was this is shit. I mean, I, it it would fucking kill me that. Mm. You know? mm. it, it it would kill me, even though it doesn't really matter what they think, you know. Um, but I I don't want to sit here and lie and say I'd be fine with it because I don't think I don't think I would. I think I've maneuvered myself in life into a position where not much happens. And all of it is positive because I lack the coping mechanisms of a normal adult, you know. <laughs> so the the one thing that, you know, you can't possibly get any rejections if you don't submit your work. And at the same time, you can't get any crushing blows if you just sit and watch Power Rangers all day, you know. Mm-hmm. With your it gets easier. It gets easier. That's, that's what I'd say. You know, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want you to, Put yourself in a position that you didn't like but yeah. <clears throat> what i've learned over time is that the whole thing just gets easier i mean you do stop you stop caring yeah and you also begin to be able to predict what people will say anyway 
about your book because you kind of know when you're writing it, you're like, oh, half of the people are going to really like this. Half of them aren't. Things that you say on a podcast or on Twitter, you kind of know what's going to happen and then it happens and you're like, okay. But it's all about just, you know, what Kelby was talking about earlier and separating yourself from that thing, having a nice occult vanishing ritual between you and the uh, imaginal plane that you wrote that thing on. Yeah. And then it becomes like when dying world came out, I'm working on the sequel now and I have to keep going back to it because I literally don't remember what I wrote a few months ago in that yeah. book because it's separate from it's out. It's in the world. It's not me. It's a, it's a book now, but I mean, again, I respect the uh, wanting to live a nice, uh, quiet, and peaceful life. I'm the same kind of way. But I will say, just offhand, that you can still achieve that if enough separation is put between you yeah. and the work. Cormac yeah, McCarthy totally. doesn't yeah, have go, a Yeah, go Cormac. He doesn't have a computer. <laughs> yeah, he, yeah, he's... Uh, too busy hanging out with physicists. Cormac McCarthy said recently, he's like, yeah, I don't fucking talk to writers because uh, I don't like them. <laughs> so I just hang out with That's quantum physicists. And, <laughs> I find, and I find to... writers to be almost all intolerable. Like, Yeah, me too. You know, um, I, I would imagine it's the same with actors as well. Like if you if you got to know actors like really well, they'd be insufferable. Oh, insufferable. Yeah, no. Well, because the whole thing is you have to consider what drives people to become writers in the first place. And I definitely had this. So I had this when I was earlier in my writing journey. And my first book came out, my first book came out 13 years ago when I was, you know, 23. And I had all the stars in my eyes and wanted everything that comes along with being a writer. And then I was very blessed to kind of get it, but not really. Yeah. Uh, for example, you know, the book gets published in France. So they fly me to France and they give me a bunch of free wine and they ask me a bunch of questions about my book. And I felt very self-important. And then luckily that book completely bombed in France, like bombed in a way that I've never seen a book bomb uh, yeah. before or since. <laughs> and so once you kind of do all that and you step back, you say, well, wait, hold on. What do I actually want? You know, being famous seems like it sucks. I don't think anybody who's famous actually enjoys it. So what am I, I, I went through this dude. Like I went through uh, mushroom trips, for example, thinking about what it is that I want yeah. from writing. And that's where the agitator ethos came from. It's like, oh, I like making cool shit and yeah. I want to spread my cool shit around so that people can read it. But everything else, none of that other shit really fucking matters you know but i think i say all that to say that most writers haven't i don't think they've done that work they haven't figured out why they do what they do they want some kind of you talk a lot about how like you i've never submitted to an agent either uh and there's probably when you said you know you can't be rejected if you don't submit i felt that i get that uh i hate the idea of like these fucking idiots who aren't as good as me telling me that my shit's not good yeah but like uh but I think that people who you talk to who are so obsessed with, oh, and now I have an agent and now I got a contract and now I'm in Publishers Weekly and now I'm doing it. That to me is like speaking a foreign language. I'm like, I don't understand. I think it would be really cool to get to you know interview Sano or Mike with a translator, right? That to me would be fucking cool. Uh, it would be cool to me to be able to 
you know, learn Japanese and write a manga or something like that. Like the, the actual actions themselves yeah, seem to me to be cool, but it does seem that 90% of writers are kind of obsessed with the, everything that goes around being a writer instead of writing. So yeah. we went on a rant about this on Agitator Z, but I see this when I was on Twitter more, I would see this every week where a writer would say something to the effect of, uh, I just don't really like writing. Does anybody else get this? We're like, they hate writing. Oh, I hate that. I hate that and shit. I would see that. I would see that. And I'd be like, no, no, I fucking love writing. Are you kidding? I have to take care of a kid all day. Then I do freelance editing. And then I get, you know, an hour where I can do my thing, where I can entertain myself and it's yeah. fun. And I'm, I, I have nothing but disdain for that because it's like, well, if you don't like writing, then that means to me that you're in this for this reason that nobody seems, nobody seems to want to admit. Yeah that that's what's going on here and, and it's I like think you, have to, you have to enjoy the process because like there's too many people around now like the internet has shown that you've got less and less, like like i remember reading a thing with bukowski but it was like it late on in his in his life when he was like when i started writing i'd send it off and there'd be three other people vying for that one slot you know and now you send like let's take that fucking place taco bell quarterly <laughs> and i know for a fact that they got over five thousand subs on their latest yeah. call and i know that their rejection rate is like 99.2 percent or something like that so you have to enjoy the physical i think you have to enjoy the physical process of putting the words on the page because uh, it's not like Kafka where you're going to be remembered when you're dead because we're all going to be dead in 20, 30 years. So there's no one, there's not anyone to remember you by, you know, um, and you're not going to become famous because there's too many people doing it and you're not playing the right game. And I, I certainly don't play the right game. I make it as hard as possible for people to read my work. You know, I don't even get a fucking ISBN. I just publish it myself and you've, you've got to physically message me to get my, <laughs> to get my work that's, that's also one of those things where like people who play the game they're like you have to oh so you need an isbn and this and that's like you can just take it to a printer and just have a book yeah and <laughs> so i so i've actually gone so i've actually purchased isbn for bear creek stuff because i want these people to have their books in powell's and barnes and noble and stuff like that if that's what they want fuck it let's do it you know you um, you also never know how it's going to work for some people like yeah. me the the library shit the bookstore that doesn't i've never been asked for copies of my shit in a bookstore yeah. so but david simmons who's another broken river dude he has yeah so it's so like you never know how that other author's path is gonna go so yeah. they're kind of it, it makes more sense to cover your bases with yeah when you when you're responsible for other people's shit yeah but my own stuff I, I don't i wouldn't like there was a guy yesterday who was tweeting out oh i want to buy some stuff for barnes and noble i really like eco horror now i would i would say i would classify spore as, e as weird eco horror it's about mushrooms you know mm -hmm. it's a bit fucked up so it's eco horror and i i messaged, messaged him and was like you know uh you know would you be interested in this and he was like yeah what's the isbn and i was like there's no ISBN. I, I print, you know, I hired a cool guy to do the art, and I designed the book myself. And I'm not going to spend two hundred dollars on a fucking ISBN, you know. And he was like, "Well, I can't do it then because you have to have an ISBN." Um, so that was that. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and yeah. Again, it's just. I think that 
what the pet what 2022 sort of represented for me was to sit back and actually do a lot of journaling and figure out do a deep dive into my own psyche and figure out what exactly it is that I want what hangups and fears are keeping me from getting it and also figuring out what I don't want because there's a lot of shit that you think that you want that it's just you it's through mimesis you're just nearby people who want that thing too fame, so, fame is like that like you, you're yeah. you're spoon-fed fame from an early age right, like right everyone now everyone like the number one kids thing now is they want to be a youtuber you youtuber know? right um, right and, right you know so you're, you're you're constantly you're constantly told that that's where that's you're succeeding so there's a difference between being famous and succeeding and i mm-hmm. think the lines are blurred now from a very early age um you know and now people see being famous and now there's the whole thing or it's been around for for decades now where you're famous for being famous you know mm-hmm. uh, you fuck someone mm-hmm. at a party or you've been photo taking coke at a party or um you know, there's a, there's a phenomenon in the in the UK. I don't know if you get it over here. It's called the It Girl, which is like um, Tar- there's a girl called Tara Palmer Tomkinson who was the original It Girl. She was famous just for being around famous people. She'd never mm-hmm. done anything. She'd never been on TV. Never written a book. She wasn't an artist. She wasn't an actor. She wasn't anyone. She was just famous for going to these places where famous people went. She was rich, so she bought her way into it. But she eventually became famous for being famous. Kardashians are the same, I would imagine. I don't know a huge amount about them, but I would imagine they've not actually done anything. You know, no, their dad defended OJ in the famous oh, nice. uh, OJ oh. trial, uh, yeah. and I think that yeah, they've just always been rich, and they understand, have always understood how social media works, yeah. and they were early adopters of that kind of stuff. So they're they are one hundred percent people who are famous for being for being yeah. famous. But again, I mean, it's like, in terms of writing, very specifically, and I just keep bringing this up because it, it drives me crazy. It's it's like, once, you, once that becomes the metric for what you want out of life, uh, it, I feel like I'm talking to fucking aliens sometimes because Kelby and I will talk to friends of ours who uh, will have, will, they'll get, let's say they get a book deal. Okay. They get a book deal with a respectable press. It's an imprint of a big five and they get an advance. Now let's say that advance is $5,000, $7,000. Yeah. So here's what they've done. They've spent a year and a half writing a book, already a mistake. Uh, they've spent another year and a half finding the agent, getting the deal. And then once that happens, it's another year and a half to two years for the book to come out for, for $5,000. Yeah. What is what for? Why would anybody do that? And <clears throat> you begin to notice that it's because there's an ingrained uh, sort of outsourcing of self actualization to these places, right? If this place says that I'm good, it validates that I'm actually good. Yeah. And so Kelby and I have, over time, uh, we had this kind of seed of an idea and a lot of people who we talked to have helped us to, to grow it, but we are concerned with uh, making cool shit, but getting paid, making money from it. And I, uh, I mean, on the other hand, I've had friends who've made a million dollars off of a book, you know what I mean? And so if that's the, if, if that falls into your lap, yeah, then, 
then don't then don't don't turn it down but i mean that's that's like saying that i know somebody who won the lottery big fucking deal realistically like how do you support the lifestyle that you want to have whatever that dollar amount is with the art that you make and i'm just anybody who's listening to this we can go into more depth uh later or whenever but just like snap out of it snap out like it's it, it, <laughs> seriously like you're you're fucking you're brainwashed you're in a cult right now you're in a cult and you think that this priest cast of people is going to give you something that you can only give to yourself yeah and i'm telling you it feels better on the other side like yeah. i'm happy every day of my life yeah seriously I, I'm, I'm just i'm in a I good mean, mood I, I feel i feel i i wake up pretty happy every day i mean a mm-hmm. lot of it was the drinking for me um, but like, I, 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 I do think like realizing that you're never going to make it in the way that you want. And, but then once you realize, but then once you realize you're not going to make it, you also realize that that's not actually the way that you want anyway. You know, there's, I just don't understand. I don't understand how, you know, I could have, I could have worked. My aunt, uh, got me a gig at Charles Schwab, which is a brokerage firm when I turned yeah. 18 and I, uh, I dropped out of it after like six months because I didn't want to be in an office. I didn't want to kiss the boss's ass and sit at a desk and just do grunt work for 10 years to have a, to be in the boss's chair eventually, you know, trying to sell people on care packages for signing up to get a Roth IRA, blah, 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 whatever. Oh, I don't want to do that. And so it doesn't make any sense to me to do that with my art and be like, Oh, okay. So if I, if I do this and I kiss the boss's ass and I, you know, show up every day and say the right things and, you know, submit to the right people or whatever, maybe one day I can, I can have my book out. It just doesn't, nah. that's not the, that's not the mode that I wanted to, whether I would be writing or building uh, furniture like Kelby does or, or, you know, make, making, uh, you know, visual art or music or whatever. I just couldn't, I could never see myself uh, spending my time, sort of being a drone on my way to doing that. Yeah. I mean, I, well, I, I was a chef for like 15 years. And it, like I, so I haven't actually, I've been unemployed for eight years now. Say so unemployed, like I never, I never stopped working, but I, like right. I haven't worked for someone else for a long time now. Um, and it was like the best thing that I've ever done, better than getting sober, but getting sober was brilliant, but give it up a nine to five job was like the best thing that I've ever done, you know, mm-hmm. um, for my, for my mental health, like, like waking up every morning with a screaming alarm is like, it, like the worst thing you can do for your brain, you know? Um, and so, yeah, I, I agree. I, I agree that, it, and, and I agree about, you know, um, like taking your art in that direction, but it, it's still, mm-hmm incredibly hard like just for example self-publishing there's still i think a stigma around self-published stuff that it's going to be shit you know Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. i I think that people automatically assume if it's self-published that it's been rejected by publishers whereas a lot of people just don't want to put up with the shit of publishers Mm -hmm. you know and the steps finding agents submitting waiting six months for someone to say no you know, I went straight to self-publishing because I wanted to hire someone who I knew to do the cover for me. And because mm-hmm. I wanted to learn about formatting the 
the books so that I could do it for Bear Creek. That's why I went self-published for for the three books so far that I've had out. And I'm sure that 80% of people look at the fact that they're self-published and go, well, that he's a failure, you know. Mm -hmm. And even if they don't, that's what I think in the back <laughs> of my head. You know? because, because the stigma applies to me as much as it applies to everyone else, you know, more so, in fact, because I'm like, I have to battle it when I bring out a book and I have to, you know, it's in, it's in my head, like, are people going to read this book or are they going to think that, a 16 year old has read it and gone, it's not for us, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and so, yeah, self-publishing is, is, I think it's hard. It's, it, it's hard. The marketing is hard. The, it, it, it feels like you're, you're, you're sort of running against a brick wall really. So I, so if I didn't enjoy writing, going back to people who say they don't enjoy writing, I just fucking wouldn't do it. Like, what's the point? Yeah. You know? Because it's not like the publishing side of it is good. Um, well, you said waiting six months for somebody to tell you no. I think it's just as bad to wait six months for somebody to tell you yes. Yeah, yeah, I, mean, I agree. It, yeah, you know I what I mean? Agree. Like, yeah. It's, it, it's, it just, it doesn't, it, but that, that is one of the goals of this uh, podcast in general, because we had Barrett Abner on from Contain, <clears throat> who's big into FinPunk which is this idea. It's uh, the idea that money doesn't matter, but money's the only reason to do things it's a, yeah. it's fun it's like a koan but um he basically he's a diy guy he's independent he's done it all himself and what he said to me that made something click in my head is that this only works if everybody starts doing it right if people get the message that it's not a stigma to be self-published that this is just a route that you can take because self-published okay fine but i mean i have people who read it and give me feedback on it and tell yeah. me what works and what doesn't work. It just so happens that the people who do that are Kelby, David, Grant, Eddie, like people who know what I'm trying to do in the first place yeah. so that their criticisms actually matter. So if they come back and say, hey, this doesn't work, at least I know they understand at baseline what I was going for initially. So their criticisms aren't like, oh, well, this wouldn't sell or, you know, the 40 year old, uh, you know, lumberjack community would not be pleased with this particular passage or whatever they're ba they're just saying we know what you wanted to do this doesn't cut it do yeah. this instead or alternatively this fucking rules uh you really nailed it there go ahead. it's 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 not self-publishing is not a matter of uh you know being afraid of rejection because that'll come once you put the book out anyway yeah. like because you will have people who are like this is shit yeah um so if 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 self-published people were like afraid of criticism, then they wouldn't put anything out in the first place. It's this idea of wasting your time with people who don't understand you. Uh, and the important part being, again, back to Barrett's point, is that this kind of shit only works is if we all do it. Like if we all are have, having some level of success, whatever that metric is for the individual, everybody has to be doing that, right? We have to get people, we have to pull people kicking and screaming away from the big five model and say like do it yourself like do it yourself and we'll support you we'll support you doing it on your own because if you can change that ecosystem you're changing people's perceptions of things right right yeah. right now i would agree with you Stuart, that people do think that self-publishing is like for losers right for people who've, who've been rejected but if enough people do it and keep doing it eventually the, the impression becomes oh self-publishing is for weirdos yeah not necessarily they, I mean, they, 
could still be a loser, but but it's for weirdos who don't want to go into that system, and that's oh, that's just a volume game. That's yeah. not a. You get, you that's get better not art as well. That's that's how you get better art. I think. Exactly. Exactly. Is, is you don't repress people, right? You don't like I I like you know the big big the big five publishers chew people up and they spit them out, you know, and the book would be it could be completely different to the way it was originally written, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. or the next book that they bring out they could be so disillusioned with the whole process, like um the fuck boy guy. Yeah. Sure. Or <laughs> yeah. Conroe, is it? I I don't you know, they they fucking chewed him up and they spat him out. You know, mm-hmm. he paid for all that uh, all that press in the New York Times and everywhere, and his book didn't sell, and that's it, you know? Yeah. Right. And again, uh, you're still paying for it. Like a lot of people don't well, you get this and that, and it's like I've uh like I know insider stuff that I thought I didn't know was that in-depth insider because even people who we know who've been published on big five i'll be like oh so and so we're not gonna edit we don't edit these episodes so i'm not gonna say because i'll have to bleep it but you know so and so had to pay for all their press and then this and that and they're like what they paid for it themselves yeah they hired a publicist or they paid you know three thousand dollars to like get this that or the other and it's like so the press didn't do that Oh no! Yeah. No no no! The two hundred thousand dollar advance that everyone was like—that's a lot of money. One, that's fucking no money in uh, nowadays anyway. And two, he doesn't get that until he sells a certain amount of books, you know. And they they the the, the publisher cover their ass, and then he'll get the he'll get the scraps right at the end, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I couldn't. Yeah. I've not read the book, so I can't possibly possibly comment. I know people who have liked it. I know people who haven't liked it, you know. Um, but I but I feel sorry for him because he was like he he was just put up on a on a, on a, on a pedestal and the publisher said take shots at this young man mm-hmm. for a couple of weeks and then forget about him basically, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, and so we're this is really important I think because we're showing how fucked up it is on the front end of things, the waiting dealing yeah. with editors who don't understand you. Uh, having to put your own money into it anyway. But then on the back end, I have dozens of stories of completely brilliant books that came out on big five presses that got buried, just completely buried. And they were awesome. And there's no reason why, you know, these authors who I love and respect should have had to go through all of that to have their book eventually come out and then be just you know toss aside because it's not the next you know matthew perry biography or whatever i mean there's nothing really waiting for you on the back end you you brought up conroe and his deal countless stories of that of people who get big deals and you think oh wow good for them they made it and then the book doesn't sell and they end up losing some of that money uh and also by the way if you do fuck up like that they don't give you a second try Right. Yeah. You're, you're, you're what they call box office poison in the film industry. Like they're like, yeah. well, we're not, this book lost all this money. So knowing all of that and knowing what we've said earlier, our third, the third leg of this chair, which is that being famous sucks anyway. Yeah. Why would you do it? <laughs> Why would you do it? <laughs> Why would you do it? It's like wading through rivers of shit just to get to a guy who's going to kick you with a bollocks. Basically. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Another person who's waiting with a 
with a shit cake. It was like, I'm yeah. so glad you made through it through that. Uh, I've, got to, I've got to step out to one side. I will be fine. Yeah, of course. You cool. Didn't expect this episode to turn into the uh, why you should self-publish instead of not, but I'm glad that we're laying it out on the table. This is good for the manifesto, this, right? This is also good for, um, I was just listening to uh, that dude you sent me. I forget his name. Hormozy. Um, yeah. And the uh, given the sauce for free and having the input and bringing people to buy the implementation of that because mm -hmm. we've, mm -hmm. we've been a, uh, I don't, we haven't been just in my head. I've been close to disobeying that rule of being mm -hmm. like, you get nothing for free anymore, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, uh, mm -hmm. but we're giving a lot of free sauce. So that's good. Yeah. Well, he says it in the video. It's because people aren't going to implement the sauce that you give anyway. They want you to implement it for them. So he's like, give everything away and then sell a service. And I was thinking about that for, uh, I might start doing that with, uh, and we can leave all this in, of course, right? No editing. But I was thinking about doing that with uh, freelance edit shit, like starting to make YouTube videos about how to basically everything I know about editing, but then just advertising the editing services anyway, with that principle in mind, like give it all away. They're not going to do it. Yeah. So, yeah, because <laughs> yeah, then, I mean, no, that makes a lot of sense. Because also, like, if I, uh, if I had, expendable income and no desire to do an aspect of something that i saw somebody on youtube explaining like their you know banger methods of going about it i'd be like oh shit i'll just give it to this guy mm -hmm. yeah just give it to him just give him give him a thousand bucks and he'll do it and then uh and then i will and i will but it's interesting you know i think that talking to Stuart now and uh, the conversations that you and I have had, it is just, a, it's a new paradigm of how to look at all this shit that I think not enough people have uh, adopted yet. Mm -hmm. Welcome back, sir. Thank you very much. I needed a drink and a piss. I've got an yep. alcoholic bladder. Uh, yeah. Well, an ex-alcoholic <laughs> bladder. So like, like, we can't go out anywhere because... Like, I will need to piss when we get there. And then 10 minutes later, I'll need to piss again. Mm -hmm. And then, like, <laughs> you know, when we're, when we're on the way home, I'll need to piss. Like, uh, uh, but so I've done quite well for two hours. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, we can, we can wrap up if you got to go, too. I think that we've, we've talked about a lot of good stuff here. And I was telling Kelby that I was glad that we were talking about all this because um, it feels like it feels like rather than being a kind of dejected, you know, well, if nobody wants you and you want to go live on the Island of misfit toys with the rest of us, you can come over here. Yeah. That's not how I don't feel like a misfit toy. You know, no, I feel like no. a, I feel like a small business owner who's building his own thing. Yeah. And I want more people to, to do that. If, if your if your brain works this way, right. If you're, if you're, if you're have an independent streak and you don't get along with, with, uh, authority and things like that yeah there's an alternative and yeah i definitely i, I definitely feel the, the the big step is is t t telling yourself almost that your book is coming out yourself publishing and it's not because you got rejected because i think on top of worrying about people thinking that you got rejected you almost like or, or i do i almost like self-reject my work 
once I've written it straight away, you know, whereby I'll write something and then I'll go, no one will ever touch this. I'll just self-publish it, you know, and getting out of that mindset, which I'm doing. I mean, I'm doing better now. Good. I feel like with my first book, with Hippo Pony, um, that there was like, there was, I was just like, oh, I finished it. I'm, I'm self-publishing it straight away because no one's going to want to read it anyway. And then in the end, actually, it's been the most popular one. Um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But like now with this next one, I've got I've got one called Grind, which is about um, a, uh, a folk style wrestler who goes mad, basically like a, a collegiate wrestler. Um, and that's gone to an editor. And then when that comes back, I'm just, I think I'm just going to self-publish that like straight away, but it won't be out of fear for people not liking it it'll be because i don't want to wait for people to read it i want yep, people yep. to read it you know and i want people to enjoy it and then i want to move and then just as important i want to move on to the next thing because I, like my head is just full of ideas and i can't write two things at once i don't know how people do it you know <laughs> um, uh, so like that that's that's maybe i've learned something today you know yeah yeah, well, I'm I'm glad to hear that you're moving away from that. Nobody wants to because Kelby and I, if you could see our chat, all of us on the chat are just like, I just wrote the best book of all time. Yeah, and, and it's it's basically, uh, you know, whenever I see if I see criticism of my writing now, I'm like, well, that's not true. Yeah, but just to go just to go full into, you know, yeah. complete confidence, complete. Well, because like you know whether no matter what book you're writing you just said it you have these ideas in your head you put them down on paper it's good and you like it and so then you take that cognitive leap and then yeah. you like it there are other people like you in the world out yeah. there so people will think it's cool so really the only metric for releasing or not releasing is uh is this cool you know? yeah so how much of that you know that confidence that you bring how much of that is is like a hundred percent you believing it and how much of it is you trying to instill like a Pavlovian response in yourself by surround, you know? I've always thought that I was the best writer who's ever lived. Yeah. That's, that's been something that's, that's been in me forever. Uh, I've never had a real issue with, with writing. I mean, most of my books up to this point were like, they were first drafts. This last book I did had, I would call it three drafts. But most of them were just first. I would write it. I would say, okay, cool, brilliant. And then I would just uh, move on. Uh, whenever the Pavlovian stuff comes in, that's just been with uh, not caring what people yeah. what people think. You know what I mean? That's the, that's more me convincing myself to not listen to them. Uh, that's been a little bit harder, but I've never had doubts about about what I do. And it's, you know, it's borne out. I mean, you know, published 40 books on Broken River. I've edited 200 plus books freelance. And yeah, that's killer. That's killer, man. And, and that must, that must allow you like so much freedom when you are actually writing. Yeah. That, yeah. And it's you know, not it, to second guess yourself. Yeah. It's because I, I know what I'm like, I, I know how stories work and I'm, yeah. but I, I temper that right with, I'm a fucking retard in every other respect of my life. I don't know yeah. how to manage my finances. I don't know really how to do anything else. It's kind of like if I was a basketball player, I would be very humble about, you know, maybe quantum physics or, or, or something like, like, like the kind of like real science-y shit that people like, you know, uh, I don't, I don't, yeah. I'm, I'm an idiot when it comes to shit like that, but books, God damn it. 
I know what I'm doing. I, I totally sympathize with life stuff. I mean, we're we're both like fucking terrible at life stuff. <laughs> Yeah. um like it, i have no idea how i'm alive like at all and i like i'm only now like learning like the damage that i did to my body like on thursday i've got an entire day of dental work mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. because i haven't been to the dentist for like 20 years and mm -hmm. i spend those 20 years filling myself with sugar basically mm -hmm. which is what alcohol is um so like I'm only just learning now, but I like the life stuff is just like I, it's not important to me either. Like life takes care of you. I know I live. I haven't worked for eight years, and I'm in my. I mean, I'll just turn this round. I'm in my wife's art studio in the house that we own together. You know, mm -hmm. and life looks after you uh, in weird ways. I think, mm -hmm. um, but yeah, a lot of a lot of basic life functions. I don't really. Like, my wife has to tell me to go and brush my teeth, you know, because I'll, I would just forget. <laughs> uh, but I can write I can write a good book, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You just have to know where your skill set lies. It's yeah. Like, oh, and okay. and, and is, life, is the life stuff important? I don't think it is, really. It's not what I want to... Uh, the, the legacy that I want to leave isn't that I had a shower every two days. <laughs> yeah. Or that you're really good at balancing spreadsheets or checkbooks or whatever. It's like, yeah, yeah. no, he was he was never very good at that. Yeah. And he didn't Good at care. Not letting the tank run to yeah. empty. Oh, if you want to go back to a bit of religion, Job said, you know, we come in this life with nothing and we leave with the same. And like the monetary stuff is not, you can't take it with you, you know, but mm -hmm. you you can you can enjoy yourself while while you're here. And I think that's the 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 thing that I want to do the most, you know. Uh, and, and obviously watch all the Power Rangers episodes. I think that's a good place to cut it. We'll cut yeah, right yeah. there.